Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a muy caliente edition of the Fat Minute. <laughs> hey, it's hot as fuck. I'm going with that, all right? I'm, of course, your host, Don John, the inventor of the kickflip, joined tonight by the CFO of Taco Bell, my co-host, BBJ. Dios mío, Annie. <laughs> and we are joined tonight by the inventor of the number three, Trevor Klein. Don't forget to say gracias when they bring the chips out. That is very important. If you don't do that, I'm pretty sure they're allowed to throw you in jail. And always thank the bus driver. Always. And always. leave him, and give him a nice smooch on the cheek when you leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little pick. No. Well, let's jump into our episode here tonight. We're continuing our retrospective of the 2010s with the year 2013. Um, I don't going over like some of the stuff when I was making the list for stuff to talk about for this year, I was just kind of like, man, this year was really a blur for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I remember a lot of the stuff, but I also kind of, like, don't remember it. Like, it, it's more like bits and pieces than as opposed to actual clarity, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to jump into some newsworthy events. Um, in 2013, I thought this was just kind of an interesting little thing that happened. Um a, they, they managed to use a, a 3D printer in, the, in a medical field to create a working human ear, which I remember this was when like 3D printers first started really becoming like talked about like all over the place in terms of like what they could do and what they could do down the road. And just t- here, I remember seeing a lot of talk about what they could do in terms of, you know, the medical industry making new organs and body parts that, you know, your body won't reject because, you know, the theory is that they could make them from your own cells. Um, and it's just, and then, you you know, I remember seeing a lot of stuff that the 3D printers were already doing at this time. Um, and it's just crazy. And it's weird because it's like you had this technology. It's just really interesting and has a lot of, you know, a lot of use, theoretical uses and a lot of actual uses. But then now you don't really hear them talked about it all anymore. And I don't know if that's just because they become more mainstream or if, you know, people just sort of lost interest in them or what. But I just thought that was something that was kind of interesting, just the whole, like, 3D printer craze that was kind of going on at this time. Uh, what do you guys remember about that? Like, I still find it interesting that, like, 3D printers, like, haven't hit their, like, absolute mainstream yet with things like this happening back in, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't see them in, like, the majority of homes or anything like that. Right. Like, it still seems like a very uh, niche item. But what I was asking is, like, so that I I wasn't too familiar with the story. Like, they... they they created human ear out of like plastic and everything or um i'm not sure what it it was made of i mean the the article i read said it was you would assume with the 3d printer right but i mean like what materials i'm not sure let me look that up real quick right right but uh 
considering the article I read said working human ear, I, I, I just kind mm. of assumed maybe they use some sort of like biological material. Um, yeah. Let's find out. Um, as far as what I have to say about 3D printers, um, I thought that that was cool that they were able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to like um, side with the um, sentiment that it's like, you haven't really heard much of them since then. Um, right. You, you don't hear much exploration of 3D printing in like the, the medical field. Right. Uh, the last side of like prosthetics and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last I really heard of 3D printing was a few years ago when I was still at the movie theater. There was a coworker who had one at his house and he was making replica keychains from Final Fantasy or something and handed them out. And that was the last I had a 3D printer related conversation. And that's it's pretty that's that's pretty dope. And, and it's weird that, you know, they they haven't reached that mainstream, you know, yet like you you were talking about Trevor because Right. I mean, you, you, it's just weird that they haven't reached that yet considering that they aren't you know, as expensive as you would think for something like that, that has so many different uses and you can make just about anything with. Um, I mean, right, for, right. Random, for a random kid in Cumberland, Maryland to own one, it, it, they can't be that much. <laughs> right. I mean, there's there's some that can like really get fucking up there that are just absolutely insane. But I mean, just to get a decent one, it's, you know, it, you won't necessarily break the bank to get one. Um, so yeah, it's definitely kind of weird that they, that, you know, they just kind of came and went. And you haven't really heard too much about them in, in the past few years. Well, what I'll, what I'll add there is, you know, functioning human ear, Final Fantasy keychains. What is there left to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you've it. Kind of, We've peaked. That's it. The, you've hit the whole spectrum there. Yeah. I mean, I was I was going to get myself a new kidney, but you know what? Just nah. But uh, I'm trying 3D, to three D printed keyblades got a boy acting strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't find that uh, article I was looking at, but I've seen like a bunch of similar ones saying that they're made out of like bionics and stuff like that. So S- similar printed human ears. Yeah, so that's all right. Probably what they used for that first one. Um, but I know I remember seeing a lot of talk that the theory would be down the road. You know, when we develop more uh, in the stem cell field, you would be able to use those mm-hmm. with a 3D printer to make organs from your own cells, um, mm. which, you know, who wouldn't want that? Basically, right. live forever at that point. Can I make a buster sword from my own cells? I mean, sure, whatever you want. I ain't going to stop you. Don't let me shit on your fun. I, at least all. then the bandages would make sense. <laughs> you got to put like a little face on it. It just says like, father, what am I? Father, what am I? Let's move on to our next uh, newsworthy event of 2013. Uh, Pope Francis. He, uh, he was a thing. Still is. Yeah. Papa I, bless. Yep. Pope uh, Benedict stepped down. What was the reason he stepped down again? Um, he fucking hated the job. Oh. <laughs> what a time to be alive! First, the, fu- first the fucking, person in history. The fucking pope is just like I fucking hate this shit. I'm out. 
it's, it's, I, it's pretty, I, I'm a head out. It's pretty bad when a spiritual leader who is supposed to embody virtue and patience is just like, all right, I'm out of here. It was the, it was the Palpatine jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you did, you did one too many. I'm out. I think I remember like hearing somewhere on the news that he said he, he was like, he felt like he was too old for it. And I'm like, man, old's kind of like part of the job description. I don't think I've right. ever seen a Pope that didn't look like a wrinkly old nutsack. Right. Right. Um, Pope Francis. Yeah. He's uh, but you know, Pope Benedict stepped down. Pope Francis took over. And I remember like I was working at Sears at the time and we had a TV in the, electronics department where I worked and we, that would like, you know, just kind of play the news since it was at the time considered to be a neutral thing to play on the TVs. Um, Mm -hmm. But it would always have the news on. And I remember the day that they were like, they had the camera on the Vatican. Like, you know, when they decide white smoke will come out of the chimney and we had people coming into the department, not even like trying to buy anything. They just wanted to watch the news. I'm like, man, don't you have TVs at home? Like, yeah. um, But yeah, everybody's like, who's the new Pope going to be? And I'm just like, I doubt all of you are Catholic. So why do you care? But I mean, so far Pope Francis, he's kind of been known as the uh, quote unquote liberal Pope, the cool Pope. Cause he's as, been a, as liberal as you could be for a Catholic like that. <laughs> right. Like, I, I saw him sit backwards on a chair once. Yeah. yeah. He said he was going to rap to us about the good Lord. Yeah, Let's rap for a second. But he's been a, uh, Nowhere near as harsh towards, you know, the uh, liberal causes as his predecessors have been in terms of, you know, the, you know, the LGBTQ community and even abortion. Like he's not he hasn't been like, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Supportive of it. But he's like, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody they, they should they need to go to hell because they had an abortion or whatever. Like he's he's been, you know pretty mild on a lot of these things, which is kind of cool. Um, I just, my favorite Pope Francis moment though, was when uh, Trump went to visit with Melania and just how Pope Francis was just like making it clear. Like, I do not fucking like you. Yep. (laughs) Like he just like shunned that motherfucker left and right during his whole trip. And it was so amazing to watch. And he did it in such a low key way too. Like when he, you know, he was like greeting Melania, shaking her hands, like, "Oh, it's nice to see you." And he just looks at Trump, just like, "Hmm," and just like looks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Blake, you go ahead and talk about Pope Francis. You're the Catholic one here, so. Yeah, I I am a huge fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am a huge Catholic. <laughs> I <laughs> I am. I'm about as large as they come. <laughs> <laughs> they call um, they call me the confession booth. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm about uh as big a Catholic. I'm about the size of three Tony Sopranos. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a no. that's a lot of spaghetti. I I am not Gabagool. I am not the most Catholic individual you will ever come across, but I come from a Catholic family. But no, I am a huge fan of Pope Francis. Um, I I mean, as David Cross said, the bar could not have been put any lower. But um, for a pope, he's pretty progressive. Um, he believes in global warming, uh, climate change, I should say. Um, he is, um, not a prick when it comes to LGBTQ rights. Uh, even like you said, Donnie, uh, abortion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he is, um, 
I think he is, uh, when it comes to, you know, a, a, a spiritual figure, he is the real deal. He isn't a hypocrite. He isn't a hate monger. He isn't, you know, some guy that just wants to be in a position of power. Um, he is not materialistic at all. He gave away, you know, the throne and the, the fancier uh, garments that a pope would wear. And because what we see him wear all the time is just the very basic bare bones you can wear as a pope. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but no, no, I, I like him a lot. He believes he believes dogs and cats go to heaven. Um, I mean, the guy's just a fucking rock star. Was that, was and, that a thing know, that previous popes didn't believe in? They just didn't bother talking about it, but yeah, no, I, I think like a lot, a, a lot of um, previous generations did not believe that at all. Um, but yeah, one of the previous popes watched all dogs go to heaven. He was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, yeah, he, he he gave he gave Donald Trump dirty looks. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, Pope Benedict uh, wasn't that good. Wasn't that good? Um, and then even uh, the one before well, how him, how long was Benedict? Um, in uh, like ten years in his which role, wasn't that long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give or yeah take cause I was like, I re- I can remember when he was being um, yeah, put into was, the role. John was, Paul II had passed away. Yeah, and right, he was right. The Pope's, he was the Pope since like Ronald Reagan. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but and it showed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, it showed. People, people really put him on a pedestal, and I'm like, yo, he's not that cool. Like. No. He, Nah. His, his his shit didn't age very well. Nah. Um, but yeah, no, he was he was uh yeah no he was he was not cool when it came to uh he came to uh, gay rights and mm. uh, no and another thing even Pope Francis someone asked him like do you believe that even atheists go to heaven and he goes and his answer was basically I mean as long as you live a peaceful life and you don't harm anybody who am I to judge and it's like. That's just the coolest answer he could have given. So no. I like to imagine he said that with like a toothpick in his hand, like he just removed <laughs> from his mouth, like wearing sunglasses. Listen, listen. Yeah. No, I I dig him. I dig him. He gets he gets two thumbs up from me. He was also the first uh, pope from the Americas. Ooh. Argentina, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, Trevor. What do you guys say about the pope? Well, I am not the hugest Catholic in the world. In fact, I'm not a Catholic period. Even though you went to a Catholic school for years. I did. That's why he's not Catholic. (laughs) There was a lot of sitting. There was a lot of standing outside of that. It was a little bit of a blur, but um, (laughs) no, I mean, I agree with the things uh, both of you have said. I, I like that so far he's, he's been a Pope that preaches love when when applicable but he in no way preaches hate which is you know a good change of pace mm-hmm. it 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 never gets like uh, overly dark uh he's he, he doesn't go into like punishments for ridiculous things but uh, i and i don't know i like that i i don't know a whole lot about him but i can say that for the least well, let's yeah. move on to our next event, the uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, I mean, what can really be said about this? You know, it's it, I kind of want to say this is like the first 9-11-esque mentality that we, you know, 
that the country as a whole might have had since 9-11. Um, I think really what really like shocked a lot of people with the Boston Marathon bombing was also the fact that like at this point, you know, bin Laden's already dead. Um, mm-hmm. where we've pulled out of Iraq and it seemed like finally things are like, you know, the aftermath of 9-11 is winding down and we're moving past that phase. And then this happens. Um, so I think that just really made a lot of people feel like, are we ever really going to fucking escape this kind of shit? Um, but yeah, two guys, uh, they were brothers. Um, they made a homemade bomb, set it off near the finish line of the race, killed three people, injured hundreds, and uh, a few of them, you know, lost limbs. So, you know, maimed for life. Um, and one thing, I mean, I don't want to say it's funny, but it is kind of funny. Just the aftermath of when they escaped, the brothers tried to escape um, after they were identified by police. They, uh, you know, stole a car and like the one brother was shot several times and then his brother ran him over while he was trying to escape in the other car. Like, I don't know why. That's some wily Coyote shit to me. Um, just running over your, your own brother while you're trying to get away. But um, that also, go ahead. They've been identified, but trying to escape. It's like, where are you going to go? Yeah. Like, like you're, you got the FBI and like every other agency connected to them looking for you. You are not going to get far. No. Like you can go, <laughs> You can go to the countries above or below America. You're not getting away. Like you can go to hell. That's where you can go. Um, yeah. And the motive they said was, uh, you know, apparently retribution for the U S military action in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, the one brother who got run over, he of course died shortly afterwards. And the other one is still in uh, prison to this day. Um, he was given a death sentence, but that was vacated on appeal, but he's either way, he's, he's never getting out of jail. Um, right. And it's crazy to think he was only 20 years old when this happened. Um, how old was the other brother? The one that he ran over, he was a little older. He was uh 26. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they were both, you know, the oldest one was a, c- a couple years younger than what we are now. Just imagine being right. that age and, and fucking doing something like this. And just, you got to wonder what, what went through their mind as they were setting this up and as it happened and afterwards. And even kind of what's going through the living one's mind now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just to throw your life away like that, too. Right, right. I mean, it's just how how empty was your existence up to that moment where you're like this is all there is for me to do you know right um right. and um you know it's just and and they were they were um you know they claimed to be practicers of the um islamic faith if i'm to be correct or um I'm not sure about that. I just wanted to, I, I did see the movie about it that, you know, but that was just, I just saw that one time in theaters, you know, over four years ago, the one with Mark Wahlberg Patriots day. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I think that was like part of their motive is that, you know, they claim to be worshipers of uh, the Islamic faith or whatever. And, you know, of course you had people that, you know, with all these school shootings by a, uh, you know, a, a white person is just like, well, you know, there's more to it than, it. but then, you know, when they do that, it's like, well, see, there you go. They're at it again. Like mm-hmm. it's just, just the, the double talk, double standard 
of it all from the right wing. And, um, and also, um, to side with, um, a person we all know, uh, I won't say his name, but, uh, the guy who thinks every movie is either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. (laughs) Um, the one time, one of the few times he actually spit some truth was when the trailer for Patriot's Day premiered, you know, it was coming out this holiday season or, you know, um, limited release over Christmas and then um, nationwide uh, in January. And it's just like, I'm sorry, are we going to make a movie about every single terrible thing that ever happened? You know, like, and this, this didn't even, didn't, it wasn't even 10 years ago and we're already making a movie of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really had to agree with him on that one. Cause it's just like, yeah, we, we don't need, we don't need a Hollywood version of everything that ever happens. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I uh, th- that was something maybe you know the collective consciousness of this nation didn't need to relive, especially already. But uh, yeah, I guess it's, those are my thoughts on it. It's kind of weird that uh, with this, it kind of felt like the country as a whole, the collective conscience, as you said. Kind of like it felt like they went through the stages that they went through with 9/11, but like on fast forward, like right, right. You know, with 9/11, you know, the stages, the 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 aftermath, and then the morning, and then you know the reaction, and then going to war, and then finally getting to a place to where you know people are making jokes about it and not immediately getting canceled. Whereas with this, it was immediately like a week, a, a week later, a couple months later, like. I remember seeing report news reports on like Halloween that year, people going to Halloween day at work and like costume day at work and wearing like costumes say, saying they were a victim of the Boston Marathon bombing. And I'm like, that's fucked up. Um, I must have missed that shit. <laughs> oh, you didn't see that shit? Nope. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that all over the place. People like wearing like, you know, the, the runner's outfit, but like covered with fake blood saying, you know, oh, I'm a that's, Boston Marathon victim. It's like, yo, that's... that's that's, that's just out of bounds. Yeah, that's, the, the, you're saying people wear that to like work, like yeah. Halloween parties and whatnot. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's how it's, did that fly? Yeah, it's that's, it's it's one thing to go on stage as a comedian and make you know jokes about a tragic event to try to like lighten the mood about it, but like yeah, like alleviate the situation. Right. There, there's a difference between dark humor and just like being completely insensitive to something. An elaborate, right. an elaborate like out of your way gag yeah um, what's, like what's the joke remember this yeah it happened yeah. six months ago. several months ago yeah um that that you know that fits into my my um i guess my code of conduct that some things just don't need to be joked about personally right. personally I, w- I won't preach or whatever or debate it but um yeah that that fits into my my own little personal book of guidelines um yeah i yeah, I, do I, like- I and 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 like when there when there is humor to it 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 only can work in certain contexts right right like and and donnie what you mentioned that's like one context where it really just doesn't because what's what's the punchline right yeah this well, happened why, that's that's why my my personal philosophy and approach to comedy as a comedian is always you got to be more clever than mean and that's uh, not clever <laughs> no no not at all um, no because yeah, i always feel like if you're more clever than mean the audience will usually meet you halfway and give you the benefit of the doubt but that that's yeah but like i was saying 
it just felt like with this, the the collective conscience of the country as a whole just like went through the same stages that they did with 9/11, but on fast forward. Because I remember like, you know, a year later, this wasn't a talk, talked about anymore. Nobody really like gave this any thought at all. Um, so it's just kind of weird that that's uh, that's how we moved about this. Well, it's, I mean, it's like like you said with 9/11, but fast forwarded. Because, you know, I think that comes with the territory of being on a smaller scale. Yeah. But, you know, 9-11 these days is relegated to, you know, talking about how long it's been on the day it happened mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. It, it, it It's that, but as you said, on a quicker scale, it right. gets mentioned the day it happened and that's the bulk of what you hear about it anymore. Right. And, and I'm going to call back to uh, another episode we did. I think, I think it was the 2007 episode. Um, and I think you were the guest for that episode, Trevor, as we were talking about. When Blake, we, you're about to steal my talking point. God damn it. We'll go ahead. Cause no. as long as, as long as, as long as you don't mention college humor, I'll let you mention everything else. I, well, okay. Maybe, maybe we're confused. What were you going to talk about? <laughs> the the marketing campaign for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Just the 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 fact that like at, immediately when this happened, even you know back in 2013, my mind immediately went to that. Yeah. But I I mean what 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 were you going to add? Well, it it also you know it led to probably the single worst aging of a parody video ever, which was, and I mentioned this in that episode, because obviously, you know, you mm-hmm. had the, 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 the viral marketing campaign for Aqua, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, where they had the Moon and Night neon light-ups in Boston, and right. people, you know, were like, oh, it's, it's a bomb, it's an explosive device, or whatever. So then, you know, fast forward, like, days or a week later or so, there's a college humor video um, where Osama bin Laden is in a cave and he's planning, you know, this, this attack. And basically the entire punchline of the video is why would anyone ever attack Boston, Massachusetts? Because nothing ever happens there. It's a town of nobodies. It's just a bunch of Joe Schmoes in baseball caps. Why would there ever be a terrorist attack in Boston, Massachusetts? And that was the entire punchline of the video. And I'm like, I can't name another YouTube video that aged so terribly. The, there's no way that's still up somewhere. They, they, in fact, people are probably going to think I'm just a fucking liar because <laughs> college humor probably went, oh shit, we got to take that down now. Um, yeah. But no, it existed. I, I swear to you that video. No, I, 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 I guarantee it did. I'm, I'm just thinking there's no way that's on like their channel or anything anymore. In fact, y- y'all keep talking. I'm going to see if it is there by any chance. I mean, I I don't really have anything else to add to this unless you do, Trevor. No, I mean, I, yeah, it's, no, it, it's, it's just still there from 14 years ago. It's called Osama it, Hunger Force. Oh my god! Unfortunately, on, on College Humor. Yep, Osama T. Oh Hunger my god. Force uh, on their YouTube channel. So yeah, I can't name another instance of parody or satire or spoof that just aged horrifically. Yikes. <laughs> well, let's... Yeah, but I, I didn't have much more to add, Nani. All right, well, then we'll move on to our last newsworthy event of 2013. 
Edward Snowden blowing the whistle on a whole bunch of gov uh, global surveillance programs while he was working for the NSA. Um, he he leaked a whole bunch of stuff just revealing about how the government and the CIA and you know with the help of European governments and a lot of telecommunication companies how they're surveilling a lot of the world and pretty much all of us and just the algorithms and the technology that they use to do this and you know he leaked all of this stuff immediately flew to Hong Kong um, and then eventually made his way to Russia where last year he was actually granted permanent residency in Russia um, and it just sparked this whole discussion about national security versus individual privacy and you know where do we draw the line and then you know still ongoing today with that and then also the ongoing discussion of you know is Edward Snowden a hero for leaking all this stuff or is he a criminal and should he be tried? Um, you know, and it's, it sparked several very deep and ongoing discussions. Um, my thing that I, my, my thought when all this went down was, you know, when they leaked that, you know, all the CIA and all these, you know, other things that are tracking us through this, this, and this, my reaction was no fucking shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, how could they not be, you know, if any, any basic understanding of how a lot of the technology we use works will tell you that that's what they're doing. And it's just, my response was just like, you know, just don't build bombs in your garage and you won't have the FBI knocking on your door. Everything will be okay. Um, just don't do weird stuff. Yeah. And it's also the thing that pissed me off about it was, you know, people were, you know, immediately started giving Obama shit over this because this happened, th these leaks happened during his, you know, second term. Um, and everybody's like, fucking Obama. And I'm like, yo, I remember being a kid and always hearing like in movies and TV and, you know, my parents and other people, whether, you know, jokingly or kind of seriously, like, oh, the government's probably tracking us. Like it was always like some sort of punchline. I'm like, people have been like, thinking the government's been doing this for like decades. So like, this is not anything new. Um, I, I also, I also um, did not have any tolerance for that critique of him from the same party that supported the Patriot Act like a decade earlier. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and also like this was, I mean, as I, I don't want to sound like a simp for big brother, but like this was at the discretion of, you know, the higher authorities and whatnot. The Patriot Act was laid out so like anybody could just a lot of it allowed for hearsay and right. people snitching on each other and accusing and you know basically witch hunts and scarlet letters almost. Right. Um but but yeah I didn't mean to interject there. Well it's okay, baby. <laughs> it's okay. Um but yeah it's like it, it, like like you yeah, said, you know, the, the the people who, you know, the party that praised and, you know, created the Patriot Act were, you know, given this shit because individual privacy. It's like these people, they want 24-7 security cameras pointed at their house, except for when they're cheating on their wives. Like, you can't have it both ways, guys. Um, right. And, it's, and it's now, now listen, you just don't understand. It, it makes my, perfect sense. My, my feelings <laughs> on a lot of this, and especially him, Mr. Snowden, are... I guess complicated because like, I don't want to sound like, you know, a sellout or whatever, but also like, I have to agree with what you've been saying, Donnie is like, you know, to that sentiment, it's like, then don't Google search how to <laughs> build certain things that can only be used for so many certain things. Right. And, and, you know, if, 
the question the question that really just gets presented that that's hard to i guess go around or dance around is if all we had to do to prevent 9/11 and save thousands of people was read a few emails and listen in on a few phone calls of you know some suspect people don't you think that would have been worth it right um and i mean yeah it's like it's i guess it all comes down to who has the access to this who has the authority who watches the watchmen rated r in theaters march 9th um <laughs> <laughs> sorry but uh but yeah it's just i don't know if you have nothing to hide like you know, it's not like he's getting put out on the jumbotron. It's just, it's yeah. just guys in suits are going to be like, "Hey, I saw what you searched for last night, Dick, and you're coming with me." Yeah, uh, that that was my dog. <laughs> he st- he stepped on the keyboard. <laughs> he stepped on the keyblade. But he perfectly typed in beheading videos. <laughs> no man, I I was just trying to build a new Lego set for my 3D printer. Oh. <laughs> Bomb. I meant like cool, you know. Yeah. I still, I still love the meme where the guy is Google searching quote how to build a bomb, but then he adds in parentheses in the search bar. But chill, it's just for a school paper, and he gets a text message from the FBI that says, "Good save, bro. Carry on." Well, legally, if you add in Minecraft to the end of any Google search, it's okay. I'm not going to try that out right now because I want to be able to go about my day tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got to say about all this, Trevor? What I got to say about all this? this. Um, No, it is, as you said, a very complicated subject. Is he a good guy for releasing all the information? Is he a bad guy for kind of going against the government as a whole. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with, with Blake's opinion on things like if, you know, a handful of messages uh, being tracked could stop something as large as nine uh, 11 and that information doesn't get out into the public. Like why, why not? Right. Um, I'm also but, uh, I'm also just naturally uh, yeah. I'm also just naturally suspect of anyone that runs to Russia for protection after leaking right, a bunch of information. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if 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 Vladimir Putin is willing to share the bunk with you, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's I don't know, and that's I even back then I had trouble following it cuz it's like is he a good guy for this? Is he a bad guy for this? But I mean, my my logic and opinion kind of leads towards it. It wasn't the best thing to do, mm-hmm. but I it's just the way I view it. I mean, in some way, I guess you can see him as like he was the guy who farted on the elevator before getting off. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but then also back on the whole thing about like pinning it to Barack Obama, like didn't like a Supreme Court case in the 90s already disclose the existence of these people and these powers? Uh, I don't know about that, but I I, I would not be surprised. Well, it, I, I mean, like I said, I'm 
when when all this leaked, I was, my response was, "Well, no fucking shit. Like, tell me something well, I don't know." My my right. point is being my point is being Barack Obama was not the founding father of the NSA. Oh no, no. <laughs> the, the The Simpsons movie was joking about it. No seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, actually, while while we're talking about it, uh, none of it's real because you know individual tracking didn't exist until this year with the vaccine. You know. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. When nobody we got was five G. Bill Gates. <laughs> We got the five G. Bill Gates, big, smart, rich man, evil, uh, <laughs> big, big smart man, big smart man, uh, big mad money fire, man. mad money fire pussy. <laughs> my new, my new political thriller, big smart man, big smart man. <laughs> oh Coming my god, he's half internet. <laughs> god, don't even get me started on all that shit. Let's just let's just stay on the air. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, Edward Snowden, is he a hero? Is he a traitor? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's really either. I think he was just a dude who had some access to some stuff that he didn't particularly individually agree with and just felt the need to, you know, let other people know about it, um, which, I mean, okay. Um, I don't necessarily think he's a hero because the stuff he revealed, to me at least, it's it's shit that anybody who took five seconds to just, like, not you know, emotionally overreact and just, you know, kind of think for a second about, it'll tell you like, yeah, no shit. The benefit of it. Yeah. And that too. And also I just think, you know, I think he might've done more harm than good. I mean, he, I think he really dealt a serious fucking blow to, you know, U S intelligence capabilities abroad um, by leaking all this shit. Um, You know, so I don't think he's necessarily a good or bad guy, but I, I do think he probably needs to face the courts um, for what he did. Um, But that'll never happen because he, like I said, he was granted permanent residency in Russia, so he ain't getting extradited. I think, uh, you know, when it really comes down to it, one of his biggest crimes is creating one of the most boring Oliver Stone movies. And (laughs) one of my least favorites. Right. Again, again, we we really have to make a movie about everything that ever happened. Yeah. When did that come out? That wasn't, I mean, that wasn't too long after, was it? No, that came out like two years later. Was it later. 2017, maybe? Hold on, I'm looking Something it like up that. Now. I'm looking it up now. He's looking it up now. He's looking <laughs> What's what's the guy on the Joe Rogan podcast? Jamie, can we get the date for uh, the Snowden movie? Yeah, yeah, bring it up, Jamie. Pull it up. <laughs> Ugh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, it came out. It came out in like 2016. Mm. But yeah, that was probably the best nap I had that week. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's um, uh, fucking impression of him, like him doing his voice, is like so cringy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, uh, once again, Oliver Stone has not made anything of worth in like three decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to our next uh, batch of topics for 2013 movies. 2013 first one, Gangster Squad. Um, I remember Ooh. seeing this. I, yeah. I remember seeing this one in theaters with you guys, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun kind of callback to – uh, you know the the noir movies of old. Um, I, I just thought it was an all around solid fun movie. 
Um, but I, I remember being kind of surprised that it was getting, you know, not so great reviews um, afterwards. And I was just like, what, what's wrong with it? Like, um, I haven't seen it since theaters. I own it on Blu-ray, but I, I haven't seen it since we watched it in theaters. I'll have to go back and watch it sometime and see if my opinion is the same. But I, like I said, I remember thoroughly enjoying it. I thought, uh, it, I thought Sean Penn as a Mickey Cohen was a little over the top sometimes. Um, but other than that, I, I liked it. Go ahead, Trevor. This is, uh, the more I think of it, this is like one of the more recent movies I've seen that I remember Sean Penn being in like a starring role. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of a whole lot beyond this that he was in that I've seen. Right. Um, but no, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. It is, it is a nice throwback to the uh nor movies of old that was actually the working title oh, um how about that but i it's it's been a long time since i've seen it but um i i just remember like a an over reliance on like cgi in it which you know in a movie in that time period and that that setting you, you would almost prefer something a little more practical effect wise mm-hmm. right but I just remember like car chases and everything. And it, you have like these, these cars from the twenties, thirties, it, it, it just, it, the, the CGI like trips you up. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I have no real qualms with the movie. Um, as you said, Sean Penn kind of hams it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I I enjoyed the cast. It had kind of a colorful cast and everything. Um, Ryan Gosling and all. But uh, no, I I had a good time with it. What about you, Blake? Yeah, I I think it's it was a fun movie for what it was. I I only saw it that one time in theaters when we saw it. Um, I think the cast was better than the movie itself. Um, I think like for them to assemble all those actors, it should have been a lot better, even greater. Um, and then I guess ultimately the biggest fault of the movie is that it couldn't decide on a tone. It couldn't figure out what mood it was going for because you had Josh Brolin and Ryan Gosling and, you know, obviously any movie will have like it's, it's comic relief moments or, you know, uh, um, uh, quips, I guess you could say. But, it, you know, it was having this, like, gritty R-rated, um, you know, uh, trying to be the, the untouchables of our generation. But then you had Sean Penn, who was basically like a Dick Tracy villain. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he, really did, he really did feel like he was spiritually channeling um, Al Pacino in the Dick Tracy movie. I was waiting for him to say, fuck you, mumbles, or get the <laughs> hammerhead and uh, <laughs> split top or whatever the, whatever the hell those other guys were, lips manless. But yeah, like you had him, you know, being like, I guess this like weird fucking parody of of mobsters. But then the rest of the movie was trying to be all like gritty and like serious and stuff. And it's like, okay, like, which one is it? What are you doing? Right. Um, but like the reviews were a little too harsh. And I remember, and I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, Donnie, because this was your biggest um, gripes at the time. About how people were like, Mickey, Co- he's playing a fake character. Well, yeah, yeah. One of the, the biggest character. like. One of the biggest complaints in all the character. Yeah. One of the biggest complaints in all the negative reviews 
was that the critics weren't like willing to believe that Mickey Cohen was a real person. Yeah. And like, and like before we argue whether or not like he was accurate enough, the main thing is like, what does it fucking matter? Did you enjoy the movie or not? Yeah. Like, well, it wasn't even, it's happen? not even an argument of whether or not Sean Penn was accurate. It's just, they just straight up didn't refuse to believe that he even existed. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think where the criticism comes into play is that they really in the marketing hyped up how much it was based on a true story. Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, literally on half the posters, it says the, the true story of the, the, the battle for Los Angeles or whatever. Yeah. Because that's Um, the first movie to do that. And then this for, for, for the subject material and the, I guess the genre this movie was really short. Like it's it's over before you know it. And usually mm-hmm. a movie like this is is a little bit longer. Um, Not honestly, even two hours. Yeah, honestly, if you could swap, if you could swap them out, even though I know this doesn't make any fucking sense, if you were to make like, I guess the plot and pacing just a little bit better, and you were to swap Sean Penn in this movie out for um, Johnny Depp in the Black Mass movie, you would have a perfect movie. Like yeah. them facing um, Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger or whatever. Like you would have like a pretty top notch movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I guess that's my final thought. I just remember that scene when uh, one of Mickey Cohen's goons walks in and the camera just like cuts to Sean Penn and he's just like sitting in his chair and doing this fucking fucking duck face. <laughs> and yeah. I remember, I remember we we just started busting out in the fucking theater when that happened. Hey, hey, Mickey! Hey, and he Mickey! Looks like he's going like to give the cameraman a smooch. Yeah. But like, again, again, it's like the the movie was trying to have its cake and eat it too, and it's like, oh yeah, the villain's really fun, but it's also like this is, like, you know, this is like a, a you know this every generation needs that great crime epic, and it's like you, you got to pick one, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. I'm 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 wait I'm I'm just waiting on him to uh try and sell me the new instant win game at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> what? They, they did they did a lot of that with like Dix Tracy, like you were saying he's like a Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> ne- but they always had weird tie-ins like that. N- never never forget one of the greatest boss moves in movie history is um <laughs> fucking Warren uh, Beatty. Oh, yeah. Warren Beatty. I want to make a Dick Tracy villain. Well, you or a Dick Tracy movie. Well, you can. You don't own the rights to the character. All right. Well, I just fucking bought the rights, and I'm making the fucking movie. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> just, just, just a power play. It's like, oh, so you won't let me do it, huh? Well, now I own it. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck well, you. All right. Well, you ask anybody's mama or aunt or grandmother, but Warren Beatty had that big dick energy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's move on to – I'm actually going to uh, group the next three movies together just to kind of talk about a thing that was going on this year. The Last Stand, Bullet to the Head, and A Good Day to Die Hard. Um, all three of these movies are fucking turds, burning ones at that. Yes. Um, but I, I put them here and I grouped them together because like this year and kind of like the year before and a little bit the year after, like action – old like action movie Hackers were like really trying to make that genre come back around this time. And this was kind of the peak of it because you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis having a, a movie all in the same year. And like they were all trying to make that, you know, old action movie genre come back. And it fucking fell on its fucking face. Um, <laughs> like 
the last stand out of these three is probably the best one just because of how fucking goofy it is having Arnold Schwarzenegger team up with Johnny Knoxville. Um, to stop a very fast car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, bullet to the head, I feel like, should be a prize for sitting through the whole movie. Um, and a good day that die hard, I, like, don't remember a fucking nanosecond of this movie. I, I think I took a nap during the whole thing. Um, but, like, all three of these movies are fucking turds. I would not recommend them to anyone. And it's just, it was just really funny to me how they tried to bring that genre back, and it just was not a good ride at all. <laughs> um, but I'll go ahead and bounce the ball to you guys. Go ahead, Trevor. Um, it's it's a little tricky for me because I, I never saw Bullet to the Head. I only saw The Last Stand, the once in theaters, and mm-hmm. I guess I liked it. It was a ridiculously goofy uh, concept. But um, it, it, I, I just, it, it was so vanilla and so generic, and it was just a, it, it, it was such just a, a generic vehicle for like Arnold mm-hmm. to make like his big comeback. And I, I don't yeah, know, I was... like it, it's, it's unique because it had Johnny Knoxville in it, I guess, as the comedic relief, but I don't remember the two of them playing off each other well at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Johnny Knoxville and Arnold team up to stop a really fast car. What, what's, what's more to say? <laughs> um, a good day to die hard. On the other hand, I, this die hard and the one before it, I just, uh, they blend together for me. They're just Ooh. such what go ahead <laughs> i i i i just i really don't like the diehards for the most part outside of like the first one and maybe a little of the second one it's just never been a series that's really stuck with me i i guess it's like the quintessential action series but it really burned out by those last couple mm-hmm. i mean i Good day to die hard. That's the one in Russia, right? I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah, with his son. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to come I, back see, to me now. See, they just they just blend together. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't remember enjoying this one like at all. And his son was uh oh what's his name? What's his name? Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney. Um, gr- greatest actor of our time. Greatest actor of our time. <laughs> Okay, you you um, agreed with me on this point, Trevor. A lot of the movies yeah. Jack Courtney's been in that were terrible weren't really his fault, though. No, no, th- absolutely not. But uh, he doesn't help his cause a lot of the no, time. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I do, I do, I do like him as Captain Boomerang. He was one of the saving graces for Suicide Squad. But that's a story for another day. Um, I. Uh, I, I didn't like him in this. I didn't like Bruce Willis in it. I, I, I just didn't like the movie as a whole. Um, but yeah, it, uh, Donnie, as you put it, there were a lot of uh, comeback stinkers this year. Yeah. But yeah, Blake, I guess we'll pass it along to you. Um, so I'll, I'll agree that out of these three movies, The Last Stand is obviously the best of them. Right. But I, I would even go as far to say the bat, the last stand wasn't bad at all. It's just maybe only okay. But I, I mean, I was 
I enjoyed those, what, 90 to 100 minutes. We saw it. Um, I mean, I never it's, saw I, it I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just generic. Yeah, I, I'll settle on that. Like, I mean, when Donnie just said it was like they were all terrible, I was like, really? The last stand too? But, but yeah, I, I do see her like for this to have been like the first, you know, full length movie Arnold Schwarzenegger actually was in the whole time in what over a decade because he was in the expendables for like five minutes but he was still the governor of california then but this was like right. supposed to be his actual return big return of form and it was and it was by a, a foreign director who had made a couple popular movies like i, I think mm -hmm. he made that i saw the devil um oh but, yeah yeah it was him that's right and um but yeah i mean I, I thought it was okay you know again i was content whatever I have never had the desire to revisit it, and I guess that can speak for itself. But um, moving on, A Good Day to Die Hard is absolutely terrible. Um, it's mm -hmm. not even a Die Hard, a John McClane movie, really. Like It's just a movie that just so happens to have Die Hard in the title. And Bruce Willis is so phoned in, and you know he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even want to be there. And um, yeah, Jai Courtney is... <sighs> Like you said, Trevor, it doesn't help his cause, but a lot of the time, like the rest of the movie was going to be terrible with or without him. And it's just that he maybe wasn't given enough to do or, you know, uh, good enough stuff to do. Um, I've, I've never I've never denied seeing a movie because of Jai Courtney, but right. I've, I've gone into a movie and he has added to the fact that I didn't like it, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. And also like, yeah, I would never, I would never not see a movie because he's in it. But when he is in a movie, I will say it's like, okay, this guy seems to have like a bad luck rain cloud following him around. Like there must right. be something wrong with the movie. Um, but no, yeah. Captain Boomerang. Good. Um, uh, it's a Terminator uh, Genesis. Uh, not good. Terrible. <laughs> didn't, didn't even try to act like Kyle Reese, whatever. But also like, uh, Trevor, I'll forgive you on this one because maybe it's because you don't remember it as much. But right, the 2007 Live Free or Die Hard looks mm -hmm. Oscar worthy compared to this film. Um, it is honestly like it's my favorite sequel of the Die Hard movies. I have more fun with it than even Live Free or no, I'm sorry, this is Live Free or Die Hard. I have fun with you know the fourth film, the 2007 Live Free or Die Hard, more so than mm -hmm. I even do. Um, the one with Samuel Jackson, the third one, uh, Die mm -hmm. Hard with a Vengeance. And then, I mean, whew, uh, Die Harder is literally just, you know, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, or The Hangover Part 2. Like, it's just the exact same movie, different setting. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that, that fourth film with Justin Long is actually the best sequel. And I don't know, I, I actually really liked it. And compared to this movie we're talking about this year, Oof, um, leagues better and bullet to the head. I barely remember this movie. I just remember how much Donnie specifically <laughs> fucking hated it. Like, I don't even remember what the rest of our party thought of it. Like, I just remember Donnie being personally, physically offended by it almost. And, um, you know, you had he, like, uh, he, he threw up in the parking lot. After. <laughs> I, I mean, he, I, you would have thought like Donnie was given a bowl of chicken noodle soup with a rat turd floating in it. Um, <laughs> but, and, uh, I just remember the parts where, um, you know, he, he gets into an argument with like, I guess the guy who was more or less his sidekick for the rest of the movie. And by them forging their alliance, uh, Sylvester Stallone just says, you had me at fuck you. <laughs> 
And then finally, when it was one of the first times I saw Jason Momoa in anything, you know, mm -hmm. he picks up an mm -hmm. axe and Sylvester Stallone just goes, what are we fucking Vikings? And um, <laughs> that's the end of the story. I literally remember nothing else. I will probably never <laughs> revisit it. Let's move on. All right. Next movie of 2013, the Evil Dead remake. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. This movie is fucking awesome. Like, yeah. a very faithful remake slash reboot slash reimagining, whatever word you want to use. Um, no, it's just an awesome fucking movie. A wild ride from beginning to end. Very faithful to the tone and themes of the original Evil Dead. And I just love that they did a lot of practical effects for this movie. It just really mm -hmm. added an extra layer to the movie. Um, I mean, I remember before seeing it, it was in when it was in theaters, because I saw it on uh, Blu-ray when it came out. Um, but I remember when it was in theaters, Blake, you were working opening night, and I remember walking by after I got done my shift at AT&T, and you're just standing there, and you just go, oof, that movie just sounds rated R. <laughs> yeah, even um, the sound of it is rated R. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he wasn't shitting, um, but it... it I, I think it's a great movie, if especially if you're into that genre and to that series. Um, I'm kind of I'll always be kind of bummed that they didn't go with the direction they were originally going to go, where they were going to have the the main character from that movie eventually meet uh, Bruce Campbell, and they were going to have like a giant. They were going to have a movie where they were going to like team up and shit. I'll always be disappointed that that never happened, but this movie is. They, they are working on a new movie though, right now, right? Well, yeah. But it's like it's not it's ignoring this continuity or whatever. I, right. it, it's at this point it's almost been too long. Yeah. yeah it's like if you if you had what's her name show up, it'd be like who? Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. like it's been too long for it to be awkward, but not long enough for it to be like nostalgic. <laughs> right. Right, right. Well that that's that's another thing like you don't you don't hear people talk much about this movie these days and mm -hmm. it it's astounding to me because like i think this is a very faithful reboot remake whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um to Raimi's original reboot remake whatever since each one contradicted the last <laughs> Well, I'll go ahead and bounce the ball to you guys. Anything else you got to add about it? Trevor? Blake, you want to go first? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did not see this movie in theaters. Um, I would have just had to close my eyes the whole time. And also, for anyone who, like, needs some extra context, um, I'm extremely squeamish. Uh, I'll come out and say it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big old bitch. Oh. <laughs> he threw up in the he threw up in the parking lot afterwards. Yeah, just hearing it. Um, no, I did not see this movie in theaters. And then when it came out on DVD, Brad wanted to rent it, and he, you know, invited us over. And I was like, oh, I got to go check my email, guys. And I literally just stayed in the computer room for two hours. For two hours. I did not want to see anything of this movie. And then finally, a lot of them. What? No, emails. Oh, yeah. B busy week. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're working a part-time job at a, at a movie theater. I had a lot of emails. But, um, but yeah, and then years later, um, I uh, was dating a girl who this was her favorite movie. And that's when I should have fucking known. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
Yikes. <laughs> I mean, she would like actually giggle at the ending when like the the main girl is facing her like antithesis, her evil twin, her like her her her, her like fucking heartless uh whatever from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like she was, she was like mowing her in half with a chainsaw and she legit thought it was so funny it was awesome or so awesome it was funny. And I was like, wow, I'm dating someone who's possessed by the devil. <laughs> but anyway, um, I finally gave it a chance. And like, here's what I can say. It is a movie that achieves what it sets out to do. Like, it's it's a hardcore movie. It It's a movie that gets the job done in, in its department. Um, I probably never want to see it again. It's not exactly what I would consider a comfort movie. <laughs> It was her comfort movie, and once again, I should have taken that red flag and flown away with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's. I mean, the the main the main uh, woman in it. Um, I forget her name, but um, a great uh, actress. A great actress. Of, it's gonna bother me if I can't figure it out. Hold on. You you look that up, Trevor. But I will say, like, a great performance. Like she nailed. Jamie, it. can you get the name of the actress from Evil Dead? <laughs> <laughs> I think her name is Jamie or Jamie something. Or... Uh, Jane Jane Levy. Jane Levy, a yep. great performance. Like she she gets into it and like you know I applaud her. Um, She's yeah, she is, I mean just from anything the last few years she is ridiculously underrated. Well, and then like this this director went on to make another movie with her called Don't Breathe, and that was that was a pretty legit thriller. Like it was. I mean, hopefully we get to talk it's about it. a sequel, year. right? Was that was that the movie with the blind dude? Yes, yes. Oh, don't don't fart I, or you'll die. <laughs> okay, I didn't, okay. I didn't, I didn't see that movie just because I thought, like, I saw the trailer, for, the commercial for it, and I just thought it looked so fucking silly. It, Donnie, you haven't seen it? No. Oh my god! Like, I'm like, sorry, have you I've, seen it? I have seen it. I'm sorry, I saw the commercial. Uh, Do just, Donnie, you will. When you figure out the when you figure out the villain's motives, you will shit. Yeah, Donnie, you're gonna have, <laughs> you're gonna have to. You, okay, hold on. I'm not gonna shame you for like that. You know, don't fart or you're di you'll die or like. Okay, nobody. That was actually that was actually the working title. <laughs> no, that was like, a Goosebumps like, episode. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. We 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 can all agree. Yes, the movie is um is susceptible. Is you know. Um, vulnerable to to memes like that, to jokes like it is. It is a movie you can make fun of, like in its premise. But when you actually sit down and watch the movie, it's it's a pretty damn legit thriller. I, I will give yeah, it. Yeah, I and, I enjoyed it, it. It basically felt like it was directed by if Alfred Hitchcock grew up watching slasher films in the eighties. Like if if Alfred Hitchcock mm. was like Gen X, like grew up in the 1980s and he went on to become a director in the 2000s this is what he would have made it felt like that and um it, yeah but anyway back I'm, to Evil I'm, Dead. I'm glad it's getting a sequel just to yeah. add to that yes um no donnie you will have to watch it before the 2016 episode because 
I need to hear your thoughts on like what actually goes down in the second half. Okay. Oh my god, it's a mess. I've only ever heard good things about it, but I just remember seeing that commercial, just with that scene in the commercial where she just, and then he just turns around, and just mm, I just fucking I I screamed with laughter. I'm like, I'm not but, fucking seeing that. Uh, it's <laughs> also, but that's also like Trevor's Trevor's like um joke about a quiet place. It's just like, <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that if I'm just hanging out the safety of my own house and i just fucking fart one of those monster alien things is gonna come crashing through the wall and bite my head off well, the, the best the best part with those monsters in the quiet pl- we're jumping to too many movies but what i love about the quiet place monsters is they don't attack you they just fucking slap you and you go flying yeah yeah they don't they don't like try to kill you they just slap you and you go fly at 100 feet <laughs> So you're telling me in the comfort of my own home, I'm just, I'm I'm making some beans or whatever I found at the (laughs) store that day. And I just, I I accidentally pass gas. One of those things is going to fucking bust through the wall, slap me a hundred feet and I'm going to (laughs) die. Like, like you're like fucking um, ragdoll physics from a Saints Row game. Yeah, but, um, wasted. But yeah, it's like it's like all because all because you were sitting in a leather recliner and you do the one cheek sneak, as my dad calls it. And... I knew it was a bad idea to put plastic on the furniture before the apocalypse. Hey, remember when we were talking about the Evil Dead remake? Yeah, <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, Donnie. Uh, it's not a it's not a dusk till dawn situation, but you you will never guess the motives of the don't breathe guy. You got to watch it. <laughs> the All don't right. breathe guy. <laughs> the don't breathe guy. No, you are you are going to watch that, Donnie. Please, please. Okay. But can yeah, I ahead. can I talk about Evil Dead now? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Thank you. Um. So I'll I'll preface this by saying I love Sam Raimi. Um, I, I love his directing style. A lot of the things he's made over the years, but I think sometimes with his style, he can go a little overboard on the hammy side of things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that plays to his advantage. I absolutely love Drag Me to Hell and all the wacky things that happen in that movie. You tricked me. <laughs> the fucking goat and all that. He just has a really um, awkward sense of humor that either hits or misses. He does. Yeah, it, it either lands or it's totally off base. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's the reason least, I'm saying that is... It's better than Michael Bay's sense of humor, though. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. Boobs. <laughs> um, balls. Uh, but the director of the Evil Dead remake, I think, perfectly captured Sam Raimi in his directing style, at least for this movie. Um, but I think he got a better grasp on my problems with Sam Raimi as a director. This movie has its hammy points, and I think it plays it to its advantage. There are parts that are over-the-top goofy, and they're shot silly, and you have a lot of like uh, kind of those tracking POV shots and like um, you know the, the more practical effects uh, at points. But at, I, I think it 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 keeps that at like a conservative minimum. Um, I'm not I'm not laughing at this movie. Like I'm actually invested in how dark and horrifying it is at points, even though there's some zany things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, by the same token, uh, man, this movie has some crazy gore. Yeah. Um, and I 
I like I like a little gore in my horror movies, but man, there's a couple parts where I I winced at this movie. Like um, what when the the one dude's hand gets smashed by a hammer by the one possessed uh, lady. Mm-hmm. I that part I, got me. I will say, Trevor, when I finally watched this movie, I watched it with my glasses off so I could be like, see, it still counts. But then like the really <laughs> bad parts, I'm like, oh, it just looks like mashed potatoes on a screen. Uh oh. Spaghetti night got a little messy. <laughs> um, but no, uh, it it had some very graphic gore, but I think it was done very well, very uh, tastefully, if you can use that that phrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the characters. I I liked the the overarching like uh, reason they're all there. I liked that it was they were trying to um, kind of rehabilitate the sister the main character like mm-hmm. she was trying to kick a drug habit i thought that was a cool way to kind of modernize the traditional all the teenagers going up into the cabin archetype right to like um, you know, do drugs and have sex yeah, yeah well the whole well, it, it's not even it's not even doing drugs they're trying to not do kick drugs. her addiction well, no, that's what that no, that's what I'm saying. In any other movie, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, all the cool kids are going to smoke weed and you know get nooky. Right, right, right. The, but this get is like, no, like, no, she she needs she needs a cleanse. And isn't well, isn't right. that the whole point? The whole atmosphere and aesthetic of the movie is like rehab or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the hauntings and everything are fucking with her in that regard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that evil version of herself and everything. But, um. But I uh, no, I, I love that this movie was able to capture the original, but also do its own thing. Now, since these days, I know they never did some sort of crossover with Ash. Um, the whole shot of him at the end seems in kind of bad taste. Yeah, because really, if you're not familiar with the originals, which you know you, you don't really need to be to be entertained by the movie Mm -hmm. that shot kind of is weird and comes out of nowhere right um but i don't know no i i really love this movie it's honestly probably in my top 15 at least favorite horror movies of the 2010s um there's a lot to like here and in some regards i i like it more than you know classic evil dead So. Well then, let's move on to our next movie, Star Trek Into Darkness. I'm going to get a lot of hate here, but I fucking love this movie. Um, I think, at least as far as the Kelvin timeline movies go, this is the best one. Um, I mean, it's it's a million times better than Star Trek Beyond, and I think it's definitely head and shoulders better than you know the 2009 Star Trek reboot. Um, the, the biggest sin this movie makes is trying to be a remake of Wrath of Khan. Um, I feel like this movie wouldn't have gotten as much hate as it did if they would have just made Benedict Cumberbatch an original villain. Um, and the problem with having him be Khan is like if if you are a, fan of, a, a long-time fan of Star Trek and you go into this movie, you're going to see that reveal coming a mile away. And if you're not... Well, that's if you're not a fan of Star Trek at all, when the reveal happens, it means nothing to you because you're just like, who the fuck's Khan? Like, um, but I mean, other than like, it's, I, I just think it's a great movie. It has a much better, it has the best villain out of all three of them. Um, 
And, I mean, I'm just a huge, I, I'm a simp for Benedict Cumberbatch, I'll admit it. Um, I've mentioned it on here before, but I, I just love this movie. Um, I think it's it's definitely my favorite out of, out of the Kelvin timeline. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Go ahead, Trevor. You were about to say something. Um, yeah, I was going to add to it, but um, uh, the I'm a Cumbersimp uh, shirt that will be available on uh, redbubble.com tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to add, you were talking about how you could see, if you were familiar with the originals, the con reveal coming from a mile away. I think a lot of the flack the movie got leading up to release was from that. Yeah. Like, people figured that out pretty quickly right they're like is this a rat the con remake and they try like the the creators of the movie tried to say it wasn't right if if i'm remembering that right like is yeah. this is this rat the con no <laughs> and then it was rat the con yeah um but no donnie i'm right there with you i've never understood the flack that this one in particular got of the trilogy it's my favorite of the kelvin movies yeah um, and i say that not being much of a star trek guy i've never been too deep into it i guess i liked tng a little bit but um yeah no this is my favorite of the three um i think it has just the right levels of stakes, adventure, action compared to the other two. Um, God, I hate Beyond. Yeah. Felt like an hour and a half TV pilot. Oh, so fucking boring. Um, and the best part of uh, uh, Into Darkness is the um, villain being a member of Starfleet wasn't played out yet since they decided to do that again in Beyond. Yeah. But no, there's a there's a lot to like here. Um, I really enjoyed Benedict Cumberbatch as kind of a um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sympathetic villain, right? Um, man just trying I to liked, free his people. Man just wants to free his people. Um, I and I do like how they took things from the original and inverted certain aspects. That's, that's always fun in like a uh, time travel reboot of a series where it's like right. you recreate an event, but there's like some key difference. I, I'm a sucker for that trope. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of the, the cast here was at their best compared to the other two movies. Um, but yeah, I, it's my favorite of the three. What more can I say? Go ahead, Blake. So when I first saw this in theaters, it was my second most anticipated movie of the summer, number one being Man of Steel. He and, threw up in the parking lot before. Yeah. <laughs> and I was not let down by it. Like, I really loved it. Um, and I thought it was, you know, I guess the dark night for Star Trek, I guess you could say. And I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great. I, you know, I, I had to agree with what, you know, what Donnie had said was you see it coming a mile away or it doesn't mean anything to you. And that right. was at the time. But as the years went on, I started to, I guess, side more with the people who still put the 2009 film above it, you know, clearly decisively. Um, 
and it, like this movie is better than Beyond, and we'll get to Beyond in 2016, I guess. But, um, you know, this movie, while a fun sequel, you know, uh, an action-packed sequel, you know, just 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 in by itself in its own context, a good movie, like a good fun summer blockbuster action flick. It, I absolutely love the 2009 film, and this movie fundamentally misses the entire point of its own first movie, which was to be a, a, a breath of fresh air, a new, a new timeline, a new path, a new route. And, you know, by, by becoming a, you know, coincidental, um, you know, um, reoccurrence of events that already happened in the old timeline, it just kind of misses the point. It's like, it's like, you know, joining a new group of friends, but still trying to repeat the same old inside jokes that you used to say with your old group of friends and not on and getting frustrated when the new group of friends doesn't understand, you know, the old inside joke punchlines. It's like, well, that's the entire point. And I don't know, I, I can go on and on, but you know, Donnie and I have disagreed on this back and forth. I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's good. I just think it is simply not as wonderful and magical as that first reboot. It just kind of misses its own point. Um, it, it definitely has a different feel. I will. I will agree there. I. Yeah. I think each of those three like managed to have, kind of mix up the tone and feel. But mm -hmm. I. And I, I just. I, I just yeah. feel like. It, I just feel like with this film, J.J. Abrams forgot what he set out to do, like just four years earlier, and just kind of, you know, became once again the remake guy or just like the, the homage guy, I guess you could say. Um, I, I mean, that's exactly how I feel with Beyond. It it felt like, all right, how do we make this Guardians of the Galaxy as possible? Yeah. Yeah. But um, but no, I, I you know, I don't. I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's a it's a terrible choice for for anyone to enjoy it. Um, and then also like even even all everything else aside, I think the movie did wrap up a little too quickly and neatly. Like I, I and I guess this would have once again been something that the original Star Trek two did. But Kirk being revived like you know five minutes before the end credits was kind of lame. Like, no matter how you want to look at it, no matter, like, if, if you're okay with the rest of the movie or not, like, Kirk being dead should have been a cliffhanger again. I feel like that would have been more powerful. Um, it's just, you know, everyone just kind of gets to dust off their hands and be like, okay, it's all good now. But, yeah. I, I, I see where you're coming from with that. But what you have to think is, like, the old Star Trek movies were more serialized. I mean, there were how many of those and. Right. how short of a time right yeah it when when you're talking about a trilogy it's that that would mean the third movie would have to once again be all about that yeah so yeah. you at, at that point you're essentially making into darkness two mm -hmm. which hey maybe that could have worked better i who's to say but i i don't know with with how distinct these three movies feel from one another i I, the sound of that just doesn't hit with me, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Especially since, like, J.J. Abrams did not want to come back for a third one at all. Well, he didn't even want to come back for this one. Um, right. 
and it, I feel like in if some only he, if only he had shows, maintained that sentiment with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I think like he felt weird having directed more Star Trek movies than Star Wars movies since he actually loves Star Wars more. But um it doesn't fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm that's a story for another day. Yeah. Yes. Well, move on to The Great Gatsby. Um now I got a hundred bricks. Got a hundred bricks. <laughs> I was just about to fucking do it. <laughs> got a hundred brick brick. Now, I remember leaving this movie just th- being like, man, if I have to fucking hear Leonardo DiCaprio say old sport one more fucking time. Um, but You don't. He's dead. You're right. Thank God. Um, but I remember seeing this movie and being like, really enjoying it. You know, that joke aside, I really enjoyed this movie. I really liked the cinematography and the aesthetic going on. And I really liked how the cast played off of each other, especially Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. Like, I like this movie so much because I had never read the book. I went back and I went and read the book after seeing the movie. I sat on the couch and I ended up like, it was kind of similar with the movie. Like when I saw the movie, I was just invested from beginning to end, just like, you know, completely focused 100% on this movie. I started reading the book, same thing to the point that I ended up reading the whole book in one sitting, just sitting on the couch and read the whole thing in one evening um, and I love the book too. It's just a really, it's just a really great story, um, of just a dude trying to, you know, find his fortune in more ways than one. Um, and I just love how the story is presented, you know, as like, it's being told by Tommy McGuire's character is like, you know, an homage to his good friend, who, his good buddy, you know, um, it, I, I, th- I think it's just a great movie. I don't think, you know, it was necessarily, you know, Academy Award worthy by any means, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I definitely recommend it to anybody who just needs, like, an evening to kill. Um, mm-hmm. So, on that note, I'll just bounce the ball to you, Blake. Yeah, I mean, I thought um, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I thought it was really nice finally seeing Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire in a movie together since they're buddies in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was nice seeing like Baz Luhrmann return. I just remember is this could be, I mean, it was said by a dickhead, but like, I just couldn't get over how like (laughs) horribly, um, uh, anyway, I, I don't even know if I should repeat it. Basically I I worked with a dude who was like, he walked out of this and he was like, uh, you know, that, that Baz Luhrmann guy, because I was watching Moulin Rouge last night, and his whole aesthetic and style, he's kind of like if Zack Snyder had a gay brother. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, All can right. you repeat that? And by repeat that, I mean don't. Can you Can you don't? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was really nice, you know, because I, I really do like the um, – the Romeo and Juliet, um, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. And it was nice seeing, you know, Baz Luhrmann reunite with him. And, um, yeah, it's, it's got a cool soundtrack. I mean, I think it's really fucking random how like Jay Z was one of the producers for this movie. <laughs> and, uh, he, no. he does, he does have a hundred bricks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with those bricks, I pass it to you, Trevor. Um, well, I, I'll start by saying I'm, I'm, I'm a big Baz Luhrmann fan. Um, I, like like you mentioned i i'm a huge fan of the 90s romeo and juliet um it's 
probably one of my favorite 90s movies period um yeah it reeks of the 90s almost yeah it does, i i mean the soundtrack has radiohead come on now <laughs> um but i i feel like he took what he did there and he applied it to the 2010s as dumb as that is to say um in terms of like the musical stylings and everything like that and i you know, people people kind of uh, joked about the soundtrack when this movie came out. I I really liked how it sounded all around. I I had the soundtrack on uh, whatever phone I had at that point, but I I listened to the soundtrack a lot, and uh, I I think it it works very well with the aesthetic and like style Baz Luhrmann went for. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's a great movie. I don't think I like it as much as Romeo and Juliet by any regard. It just didn't hit the same chord for me. Um, but it has some awesome performances. Uh, I don't know if I've ever tell, told either of you this, but this is actually the movie that like made me a huge fan of uh, Joel Edgerton. Because so I think underrated. this was... He is so underrated. Um, but I think this is like the first thing I, I saw him in. And it was one of those scenarios where I didn't realize it was him until after the fact. And then I went back and it's like, oh, that's why I like that character that much. Um, but no, uh, I I really d- don't have anything bad to say about this movie. Um, I, you know, it... <laughs> It kind of ties back to what I said with Gangster Squad, but I feel like it sometimes it kind of had an over reliance on CG and everything, where they could maybe do something more practical. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean I love I love Baz Luhrmann's style. I'd, I'd gladly watch any movie he puts out, especially if it has DiCaprio. But yeah, I had a real good time with it, and I I revisit it when I can. Well, then the next movie, The Conjuring. Uh, all right, I ain't going to lie. This movie made me sleep with the lights on for a night or two after I saw it. Um, <laughs> I, I really like this movie. Um, I mean, definitely one of the better, like, straight horror movies that have come out in recent years. Um, I haven't seen – I think I might have seen The Conjuring 2. I don't remember, but I definitely haven't seen any of the spinoffs like Annabelle or The Nun or any of that. But – I remember really. They, uh, they're all on HBO Max now. If you have that, just heads up. Oh, hot shit! I'll have to pull them up on on the hobo. Like like um, everything everything related to it, the sequels and all, and Conjuring Three until this weekend is all on there. Oh shit, yeah. son! Um, yep. I heard the third one's a bummer though. It like it sucks. Uh, I just watched it the other day. I'll get to that though. <laughs> okay. Well, I really enjoyed this one. Um, is definitely like one of the better horror movies that have come out in recent years. It, you know, it doesn't rely on, you know, any of the, the tropes that we've come to know with horror movies or thriller movies or anything like that. Um, it, it is very much its own thing. Um, and I, I just think all around it's, it's just a very solid movie. And I, I, I would definitely like to see the other movies in the franchise because, I mean, I just I just like the idea of like following these two characters as they go around the country tackling different, you know, d- different events and and entities and stuff like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. I just think that's just a really interesting premise in and of itself. And then when you find out that these characters are based on actual people who actually did this stuff, um, it's 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 definitely something that that has my interest because I've always been interested in the paranormal and stuff like that. And you know what what may be out there that we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, like I said, this definitely this was a movie that definitely you know grabbed that definitely you know played off of interests that I've had for a long time, and I, I definitely recommend it to anybody. Um, so on that note, I'll, I'll bounce the ball to you guys. Go ahead, Trevor. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, The Conjuring is definitely one of my favorite horror movies of the 2010s. God, 2013 was such a good year. Uh, but no, James Wan is one of the best horror directors of the 2000s and and beyond. I mean, back with Saw, uh, the first Saw is amazing. Um, and you know, this shows in what 12 years he didn't lose steam like at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love this movie, Donnie. Like you said, it. It, it doesn't really rely on tropes. Um, it, it doesn't rely on anything that came before it. It was a nice, creative, unique, modern, haunted house movie. Um, uh, I, I loved kind of the ensemble cast, you know, with the family, with like a whole lot of daughters. Like they all had kind of a unique personality and played to different strengths and different scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I yeah I mean I I I I would love to see more of those characters and we did um, in two which I I really don't think was as good and you know three I just saw a few days ago and uh, I would say it's probably the weakest of the three movies um, yeah. there was a lot I wasn't a fan of in it but. I've always thought it would be cool if they just would have done like a maybe a mini series with those characters. Yeah. You know, hour, hour, 15 minute episodes, just like little self-contained stories. Cause I mean, they have a whole several decades history to go over with these characters. They could do so many cool things there. Right. Yeah. Rather than like, give us one maybe big story every five years or so. I mean, they had a whole fucking museum of shit. Right, right. Just, like, give me, like, a little uh, Tales from the Crypt type shit. Yeah. With with those characters. Or those people, I should say. Um... But yeah, I uh, I I think uh, over time, they played a little two-bit into the Conjuring cinematic universe. Did did we really need three Annabelle movies? I know at least one of them are pretty good. Yeah. Um, the one but, the one by the director of Shazam and Lights Out was actually pretty dope. Which is the second one, right? Correct. The 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 yeah. even further prequel. <laughs> right. The even more prequel. Because um, Annabelle Annabelle one takes place before The Conjuring, and then Annabelle two takes place in like the late eighteen hundreds. Like it's a prequel to a prequel. The prequel. There you are- go. Yeah. She's she's going to be fighting dinosaurs in the fourth one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, well, then, no, that's what I'm but, saying. Like, because I'm sorry to interrupt again, Trevor, but like, I, I made that joke at one time. I was like, 
I was like, you know, with Annabelle too, like it went back even further. I'm like, Jesus God, like eventually does the conjuring timeline just eventually will there be a conjuring quote sequel that just shows when Lucifer betrayed God? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I think they went a little overboard with the whole universe building. Like so many of those spinoff movies are just not worth your time. Like the nun. Oh my God. More like the nap. Am I right? <laughs> but, uh, that uh, isn't isn't La Llorona, isn't that one tied in too? Very, very lightly and loosely. Yeah. Like, why at that point? Literally, literally, all it does is have the same actor playing a priest that was in the first Annabelle movie, and they're like, "Oh, they're connected because he's a priest again." Well, and it's like, wow. The priest universe. Um, <laughs> and then that's why the third film isn't as good. Because James Wan didn't direct it. The guy who did Yaya Rona directed it. The Conjuring 3, the paragraph long subtitle. <laughs> the devil made me do it in South Central while drinking my juice in the hood. <laughs> just, you really just couldn't put three in there, could you? Yeah, like... Um, yeah. But no, um, of, of just the three Conjuring movies, let's ignore all those spinoffs for a second. This one stands out the best of the three, in my opinion. Um, I, you know, loosely remember parts of two, um, but nothing stood out as that iconic. Um, three, you know, it's a little fresher because I just saw it a few days ago, but it's it's the same thing. Nothing struck a chord as much than, you know, a lot of the scenes in the first one. I feel like, it had a lot of very iconic, spooky, creative scenes that you didn't see in other horror movies at, at the time. And I feel like this kind of revitalized the horror genre there for a bit in a lot of ways. Um, but that's really all I've got to say. Go ahead, Blake. I remember when the first teaser for this came out and it was basically just a 90 second um, summary of the scene where they're playing hide and seek and clapping their hands and whatnot. And it was so effective. Like it was, it, it was pretty solid. And I was like, when it ended, I was like, okay, I posted in our like group chat at the time. And Michael was like, yeah, that guy directed um, the first Saw, and um, he directed a, a horror movie I really like called Dead Silence. He goes, I really like him. He's a pretty good horror director. And I'm like, okay, I'll go see this if we all go together because I'm going to need my boys holding my hand. I need you to all hold my hands at once. To take my hand, boss. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we saw it opening night, and I had an absolute blast. Like, mm -hmm. I love this movie. Um, I think, and it's not just about scares. It's just a genuinely beautiful movie because um, you have the family, and I love the moment when the mom is showing the picture of the day they went to the beach together, and it's playing that really like heartwarming music. And she's like, you know, I, I just love seeing my husband and my girls so happy that day, and I wish we could just go back to that time together. And it just has it has a lot of great moments, and not like Man of Steel, where like it's like. You know, it's like you got to you got to have an actual scene or like the moments are gone before you know it. Like this actually does a better job at it. Like it's like it has a lot of good moments. And and even with um Ed Lorraine Warren, we're like they grew up with the same gift 
and they felt that they were alone. And finally, you know, they not only made a friend that had the same, that had the same gifts as them, they, you know, fell in love with each other, you know, like, just imagine that, like, you feel like you're so alone in the world and the only person that's able to relate to you ends up being the love of your life and you get to marry them. Like that's, it was just very beautiful in a way. And, um, no, like this is, this is an A plus like horror movie in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I do like the sequel. I like the second one. In fact, the second one maybe has bigger scares, but I think this film, especially like, I like the family in this film more than the family in the second film. Um, and I think this film, this first film is more better balanced, but no, I, I think the those first two movies are a great duo, a great double feature. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. All right. Well, then we'll move on to the next movie, The World's End. Uh, I I remember having a blast watching this movie. I mean, I just love anything that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost do. Um, and I just I also loved how they did a little bit of role reversal with this movie compared to their previous movies, where Simon Pegg was like the dumpster fire character and Nick Frost was the serious one. Um, now, that being said, I mean, this isn't my favorite movie of the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Hot Fuzz still holds that distinction. Um, but I think this is definitely a, a solid second place, um, with Shaun of the Dead being third place out of those three. Um, but The World's End, I, I, it was just a really funny movie, a lot of good humor. And I think the cast as a whole played off of each other really well with that humor. Um but that's all I got to say about that. Kind of short and sweet on that one. Uh, what about you, Blake? Yeah, I mean, this is actually my personal favorite in the trilogy. Um, I It was the one I laughed at the most. I like the plot the most, you know, when it comes to like, you know, severed friendship and um, addiction um, recovery. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the role reversal as well. And the main point is like, I would have been completely fine with this movie if it really was the way, you know, it tried to make you think it was, it, I mean, obviously we saw the trailer and we looked at the poster and we knew, we kind of knew what we were getting into when we went in. It's like, Oh, it's probably aliens. But like, if you were to just see this movie, the beginning of this movie with no other context leading up to it, no marketing or whatever, um, I would have been completely fine if it was just a group of friends doing a pub crawl around their old hometown and like, you know, busting each other's balls and, you know, doing quips with each other and just, you know, getting on each other's nerves and telling jokes. Like I would have been completely fine with that because the supernatural shit or whatever you would call it doesn't even happen until like what a half hour into the movie. And I think later besides a, yeah, besides a light nod here and there, it's right. Pretty late in. And someone's like, someone's like, like, Oh, you have to wait. Like, you have to wait an entire first act before you see like the alien stuff. And it's like, Oh, does that make it in Brad's critique of it was, you know, the beginning was slow or boring or whatever. And I'm like, not at all. Like I would have been fine with this movie if it went in any direction, either direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just shows the writing power and directing power of Edgar Wright and, and those guys. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, I just love, I just love the little, um, jokes with the names of the bars how like you know you have the first post and then the old familiar just looks exactly the fucking same as the first post yeah um i just i got a kick out of it it tickled me it has a lot of humor that tickles you and uh no i think this is easily the funniest of the trilogy it's 
it's the least dry. Like it has like more like straightforward, like laugh out loud jokes in it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love it. I think a reason this movie like really struck such a note with us is because we're from a small town where shit, not, not necessarily like the alien invasion or anything like that, but a lot of this shit would happen. Like a bunch of buddies would get together and try to do a pub crawl in a town like ours. Um, and just also, like you said, the joke about how the old familiar looks exactly the fucking same, like that, a lot of that humor and a lot of that aesthetic we, we kind of have here to that degree. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Trevor. Um, yeah, I mean, all around, it's it's a tough call, but I, I'd probably say this is my least favorite favorite of the Cornetto movies. Really? Hot Fuzz being the top. I mean, that movie is infinitely rewatchable for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's a very close call. I think it's just because style-wise, I, I just like Shaun of the Dead a little bit more. Um, but all three are really good in their own regards. Um, I think what I like most about the world's end is, uh, just uh, a handful of the characters and sort of the themes, the plot goes through. I mean, Simon Pegg's character, I, I, I really enjoy, um, cause every friend group has, has that one friend that even, you know, once you've matured, grown up a little, that kind of wants to hold on to to you know, that youth as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know. I really enjoy that about him. And honestly, it gets a little dark. I mean, he talks about how he had been, you know, planning to kill himself. Yeah. Um, but I just... I, I I like the the themes in this movie of like trying to recapture your your youth and like your good times with your friends and just the weird the weird adventure that that comes out of that um and r- really how how badass would it be to uh go go through an apocalyptic wasteland with uh young android versions of your your buddies <laughs> That was a weird ending, but but cool. Yeah. Um, That's a British for you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I'll uh, keep it short and sweet. Like Donnie said, ironically, uh, like a like a Cornetto, short and sweet. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh man, he nodded. That, that's one for our British listeners. <laughs> All, All right. zero of them. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to the next movie, the movie that I know you guys have been wanting to talk about all night, Prisoners. Oh, goddamn. Yeah. Oh. I did not see this movie when it first came out. I saw it, I think, a couple years later, um, mainly at the insistence of you, Blake, and holy fuck, I'm glad I did. Um, just an excellent you know, crime thriller from beginning to end. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It gives you goosebumps, man. Keep, it makes your hair stand up. It does all of that shit. Um, and yeah, we're all in agreement here. Hugh Jackman was fucking robbed when it came to this movie. Um, I mean, I, I, I started a petition for him to legally change his name to huge act, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. But, yeah, like, this is one of those movies, kind of like what you've said before, Blake, about how, like, 
it's so good that you don't really have much else to say other than it's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a great crime thriller. It's it's, it's a very chilling movie. Um, it just really keeps you on the edge of your seat and guessing what's going to happen next. And it's just really, it's a great character study. Just watching, you know, these people just their morals and their character just really break down and just really presenting them with the question of how far are you willing to go, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, you know, help the people you love. And it's, it's just a great movie because of all of that. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and pass it to you, Trevor. Okay. So uh, you all got like, uh, what, four hours? You think it's good to talk about this movie? Oh God! Um, so I I will start by saying um, I I claim Prisoners as if not just my favorite movie of the 2010s, one of my favorite movies. Period. Um, in really any list I make of favorite movies, and it's always really hard for me. This always is in the top five. Um, I love this movie um and what's always really surreal to me is donnie just like you uh i probably would have never seen this movie if not for blake's recommendation so yeah i would not shut the fuck up about it (laughs) he would not shut the fuck up about it um but yeah i mean going in like i i don't know what it was but you know i i was i was an avid movie buff back then but like something just did not grab me about this movie. I, maybe I missed the trailer or something, but the poster kind of looked a little dull at first glance. But, you know, Blake Blake really hyped it up, and so I eventually saw it, and uh, oh my god, it immediately became something very awesome for me. Um, I love so much about this movie from the plot the themes the actors their performances just everything just hits the right chord for me and i immediately became the biggest fan of uh denny i i hate that i still mess up his name denny yeah yep um let's I, just call, let's just call him denny v from now on denny v we call him uh, denny v <laughs> But I immediately became a huge fan of him. Um, I seeked out any other movie of his that was out at the time. I think he had a couple. But uh, he is a master at what he does. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to Dune later this year. Um, the performances in this are extremely powerful. I mean, Donnie, you hyped up Hugh Jackman, I think. You kind of said what there is to say there. My God, the scene with the bathroom sink, that Mm -hmm. shot composition, just everything about that scene works so well, and I love it. Um, Even He wasn't supposed to break that sink. If I was Paul Dano, I would have blacked out. (laughs) He also also wasn't supposed to like hit the wall with the hammer. Like He missed Paul Dano's head by like inches. Like That wasn't scripted either, I don't think. I would have blacked the fuck out. <laughs> out of fear. Um yeah. but it it just it all feels so raw. Like you really feel for this guy like his his daughter's been kidnapped and he will do anything 
as yeah, as corrupt as some of it may be to get her back. Um, Paul Dano's performance is a very subtle psychopathic character. Mm-hmm. Um, the part where he's walking the dog never fails to creep me out. Oh yeah, that made me cringe when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel bad cause I can't remember his name, but he does a lot of bit roles. The other kind of, uh, psychotic guy, um, um the, the one with the mazes all over the walls. Yeah. I, oh God, he's good he, too. I, uh, he, I, I, he's the guy that like Harvey Dent kidnaps in the dark night and yeah. And he, he's, he's going to be in the suicide squad. Well, he's also in, he's one of uh, Paul Rudd's bunnies, buddies and Ant-Man. Right, right. Um, but no, he, he is very good at playing a, uh, psychopath. Um, but you know, uh, what I have to exclaim more than any of the other characters is, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. And this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that character. I love what he brings to the role. Just ev- everything from just the overall emotion of that character to his, his, his his um uh ticks yeah um my yeah. god those those ticks with his eyes like that it's such a subtle little thing but it adds so much um they they want you they really want you to believe that these characters have lived a life before the events of this film right right but uh, yeah i mean i i could i could go on like all day about this movie but what what I'll kind of segue here is uh, uh, Denny is a master of suspense. Um, this movie gives me like a lot of David Fincher vibes in a way, but uh, that's not to say he's like channeling David Fincher. It just it reminds me in a lot of ways of uh, Zodiac, from the cast to the overall tone. Um, but he he is a master of tension and suspense. My God, the uh, the part where Jake Gyllenhaal is driving to the hospital uh, yeah. while he's wounded. Uh, I was on. I I'm still on the edge of my seat every time. Like just the way that scene is shot, it's it's beautifully done, and it it says something when a thriller movie can continue to thrill you every time you watch it. Yeah. Continue to make you bite your nails, even though you know how it's going to turn out. That that says a lot for me. But um, yeah, uh, one of my favorite movies ever made. Blake, on to you. So yeah, I'll I'll try my hardest not to be too repetitive or redundant here. Um, I'll go ahead and second everything that's already been said. Um, I remember walking into this like two things. Like the trailers didn't really do it any favors. Um, I, I, if you were to watch the, the, you know, the main trailer and say that it looked a little like generic and forgettable, I wouldn't be hard pressed to, to argue with you. And then, um, the runtime, like it's almost three hours long. And I was like, I was like putting it down being like, well, it gets to a certain point where he either finds his daughter or he fucking doesn't. But I think the runtime is more than justified. It doesn't feel like almost three hours at all. No. Um, but yeah, no, no, not at all. I don't, I don't, I don't go around calling movies epic or awesome. 
or um, even I worked with a guy who his favorite word that was to be his highest compliment was brilliant. Uh, as cliche or maybe pretentious as it may sound, pretentious is really not cliche, but as pretentious as it may come off, the word that I really reserve is masterful. And this is a masterful movie. Um, it is as close to perfect as you can get for a modern day thriller. Um, and and this is only this was only his second big budget Hollywood movie. Yeah, I remember after this movie came out, or like like literally as soon as it ended, I went home and I got on IMDb, and I'm like, who even made this? Like, who made this movie? And I looked him up, and I was looking at his his credits, and it was like virtually like nothing. Well, it was nothing I've seen, and like he just he hadn't been around for that long and mainly foreign films or whatever mm. and i was just looking at his imdb profile and i was finally like who are you <laughs> and and no like hugh jackman in it jake Hall, melissa leo paul dano this was a movie where everyone understood the assignment mm. and i I like that none of us have mentioned Terrence Howard. Just wanted to say that. Terrence Howard, um, Maria <laughs> Bello. Like, Man, I hope he made double compared to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, like this, I, I could not hype this up enough. I remember Trevor for months. I kept being like, you know, it's still in theaters. You should see it. You should see it. And then I'm like, it comes out on Blu-ray soon. You should check it out. And you go, is it even, is it really that good, Blake? And I'm like, dude, you just need to see it. And I remember it was December. It had already come out on Blu-ray, and it, we had just left the, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. And you come up to me, and you said, I finally saw Prisoners. And I go, oh, yeah? And your eyes widen, and I already knew what you thought of it. And I was so relieved. <laughs> you, were like, you were like, oh, my God. And I was like, and we said it at the same time, quote, that scene with the fucking sink. And no, I mean, like I can go on and on and on, but like, it's just such a, like the best acting I had seen, like, like it mm. should have been, it should have been, you know, with all due respect to um, Dallas Buyers Club, like, like it lead to have at least been nominated, like Hugh Jackman for best leading actor and Jake Gyllenhaal for best supporting actor should have at least been nominated. And just when you think, this film is going to run out of steam. Jake Gyllenhaal nope. busts through a door and there's this living room with all these like plastic bins that are closed that are like the perfect size, I guess, to hide a child in and the music. And you're like, what the fuck is in those bins? And then he starts opening them up and it's bloody clothes with snakes coming out. And this movie has a way of grabbing you by the throat and saying, I'm not done with you yet. And yeah, no, I mean that that whole exchange between him and the guy at the house before he busts in is great. Yeah, like you, like God, I just I can't I can't hype this movie up enough. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's so it's it's honestly it's almost too goddamn good. Like yeah. some stuff I see where I'm like I did not deserve to see something that good, and and yeah, I mean like the performances. It's just everything. Everything meshes together so well. I, I, I almost, I almost. Sometimes I have a hard time believing that this movie is even real. Like it really existed. So I need to calm down. I don't want to make this a, you know, a four-hour podcast. 
uh, hopefully I, I got to say everything I would have wanted to say. Hopefully I won't wake up at like two in the morning being like, Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, um, we can move on. All right. Well, next movie, bad grandpa. <laughs> talk about, talk about, talk about opposite ends of the spectrum, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I remember seeing Bad Grandpa and just being like, well, you know literally what? perfect movie discussed. Next up, Bad Grandpa. Yep. I remember seeing this movie and just be like, well, you know what? If we can't have a Jackass 4, this is a nice substitute. Um, I, I fucking love this movie. I laughed at this movie the entire fucking time. Um, I kind of wish they would, you know, not necessarily have done a second one, but like maybe done some more like movies like this with Johnny Knoxville kind of doing like different characters and shit like that. I feel like they could have like really ran with that idea a bit more than what they did, but you I kind of got that with action point. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I, I, I thought Greg, bad grandpa was, was a fun little spinoff from the mainstream jackass movies. Um, it's just not one of those movies. There's not a whole lot to say. It's very much just a, if you know anything about the Jackass movies, you have some sort of idea of what to expect when you go in and watch this. And it very much delivers what it, what it advertises. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you, Blake. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun time. I only saw it that one time, but it was a fun time. Um, I, I don't know why, but I really just love the quick exchange of like, I don't know. There's like this random bystander who tries to come up and be like, is everything okay? Cause he thinks like, you know, Johnny Knoxville is legitimately being mean mm -hmm. to the grandson mm -hmm. and he tries to intervene and he's just like, you okay kid. And the kid just goes, fuck off asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's, they don't even make anything more of it. I don't think like it's literally a two second exchange. And for some reason that like overshadows the rest of the movie for me. Um, so yeah, that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Trevor. Um, I, I didn't really enjoy it as much as the Jackass movies because really it was like, they took the bits with him and, uh, Spike Jones in, uh, the old people outfits mm -hmm. and they just tried to put a narrative around it. And I don't know that the fact that they tried to make it like a scripted film, like killed my suspension of disbelief. Like I would have rather just funny stunts where he's, he's dressed as an old guy, I guess, rather than them trying to like add this narrative to it. That just, it, it like came off cringy at points. Mm-hmm. Like I just I, I I I didn't care for what this stupid narrative they were trying to use to hold everything together. I would have. That's not what you're there for. So just get to the get to the uh, the action. I guess it, it was kind of weird to have like the scenes with the narrative yeah. having like camera angles, kind of like a legit scripted movie, and all of a sudden they go right, to like right. the jackass esque camera angles where you got the the hidden camera in the corner, just like catching him fucking with people. It, it, it did kind of give you whiplash to go from to go from one form of uh, cinematography to another. Well, they, they just did that again with uh bad trip, whether, you know, 
you saw it legally when it came out a few months ago or illegally when it came out like a year ago. <laughs> but uh, um, it was that same kind of deal. Um, they like added this narrative that kind of just took away from the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved, I'm sorry. I know I said I was done, but I love seeing Spike Jones in it as Gloria, the old lady, mm-hmm. because like seeing this and came I, out. And like, I'm a slut. And I'm a slut. But like no, seeing, seeing Spike Jones in her old lady makeup, it's funny because this was fall 2013 and her came out this same year, the film her with uh, Walking Phoenix. And just seeing seeing Spike Jones acting like that and thinking to myself, being able to think, and in a few months, that guy is going to win the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah. All right, well then, let's go on to the next movie, Anchorman 2. Uh, yeah, you see, I've, uh, uh, I'm I'm definitely more forgiving of this movie than you guys are. I Oh my god, that no, I was just I was just mocking his sound. This movie oh. turned Blake into a caveman. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Uh, Chicken of the cave. Um But no, I I mean, I maybe it's because I still to this day haven't seen Anchorman 1. Um but I thought this was a really funny fucking movie. Um, How I, are you not completely lost? I don't know, but I had fun. <laughs> I had fun with this movie. Um, I I definitely, it's definitely one of the more enjoyable Will Ferrell movies, in my opinion. Um, and I just love the the dynamic that the cast has him and uh, Paul Rudd and Steve Carell and uh, what's his name? Uh, the 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 fourth man of the uh, group. I always forget his name. Dave Keschner? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I just, I just had a lot of fun with this movie. I thought it was really funny. Um, you know, the first Anchorman has been on my list for a long time, and I've just never gotten around to it because I've always heard great things about it. But I'll get around to it one day, maybe. But as for Anchorman 2, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't get why it got a lot of flack from a lot of people. I thought it was really funny. I thought it delivered what it, you know, advertised and, you know, I just, I just don't get the, uh, the disappointment behind it, but you know, I'll go ahead and bounce to you guys. Go ahead, Trevor. (laughs) That sounded so defeated. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because I always just, it's so frustrated when somebody doesn't understand why they're wrong. Wow. <laughs> wow, what a cocksucker. Um, okay, all right. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just squeezing your buns. <laughs> um I I had I had fun with Anchorman 2. Um I don't think it holds up as well as the original. Um but one thing I will say is I've never screeched as much with a group of people in a theater than during that big final fight scene. <laughs> Blake, Blake, we kept we kept screeching, and it just got worse and worse as and worse as more things happened. That's that is the ghost of Stonewall Jackson. Now give me your soul. <laughs> May the Lord bless this hallowed field. <laughs> then he just fucking suck someone's ghost out of their body. <laughs> is that a minotaur? 
There's, yeah, I kept quoting that. There's a mint julep waiting for you on the other side. Isn't the Minotaur more mythology than history? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with it. it. The main problem with Anchorman 2 is it plays up the dumb stuff to like 11. Yeah. And that, that kind of gets on your nerves at certain points. Um, really everything involved everything past like the second act where where ron goes blind like uh, it lost me with all of that i forgot um, that, that was even a subplot <laughs> yeah he goes blind and lives in a lighthouse i hated that bit um <laughs> his son's actor was like terrible like it was distractingly bad for a child actor and that may have been the point i don't know to this day um, there was a thing with a shark, uh, but no, um, when it, when it plays to the strengths of the original, it does it very well, but it, when it, when it tries to outdumb the original, that that's where I begin to kind of get lost, but oh my God, that, that fight scene with all the different anchor groups is one of, uh, the most hilarious things to ever grace the screen. <laughs> but uh Blake I'll, I'll I'll leave it to you. Okay, so I I was just being a prick. But but yeah, I mean Anchorman 2 oh, This is him and his YouTube apology. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, yeah. I was being a prick. Anchorman 2 like we all sat down and saw it together. I enjoyed it. I I was entertained. I laughed. Um I don't think it's as good as the first one. And I mean, I would continue to recommend the first one to you, Donnie. But at this point, by the time you would see it, you probably won't think it's as good as what everyone else has been hyping it up to be for years. So at this point, I'm like, it may not even be a point to it. But um, but with there's also one, that third one. What? You didn't know that they. Th this is a real thing. It's one. It, it was on like a special edition of the original. They shot so much for the original movie, they were able to form kind of like a smaller plot spin-off type sequel. Oh, Wake Up um, Mr. Burgundy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and then well, also yeah. the one the one thing, another thing that this movie did that I thought was cool was that they they filmed so many alternate takes of so many jokes that they were able to make a whole other version of this movie where they replaced almost every single joke. Mm -hmm. um, and we watched that and I thought that that was funny. I thought that was a cool experiment. Like, Oh wow. Like they really wrote so many jokes that they were able to make two different movies. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't have any serious beef with this movie. It's just not simply as good as the first one. That's it. it it's kind of like the dark Knight rises where it's like, it's only real sin is that it's simply not as good as what came right before it. Um, but yeah, I, I love the fight at the end. Um, I just think it's fucking wild how <laughs> they were able to get Kanye West, Will Smith and fucking Harrison Ford in the same scene. <laughs> like that's really weird to me. He, but, uh, he, I, he kept fucking making horse puns and they just turned into a hyena. He would, yeah, a wear hyena. He goes, I turn into a young stallion again. And it's like, what? Yeah. Um, 
And then I loved when they did the musical number and basically the punchline was Steve Carell confused being Spider-Man with acting gay. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, if I was gay, I would shoot webs out of my hands and swing around New York City. And he's doing like the, the Spider-Man hand gesture. And he's like, gay, gay. <laughs> it's like, oh, according to Brick, being Spider-Man is awfully a lot like being gay. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, like, just, you can tell this movie was just the result of these guys hanging out with each other for a whole week, having, like, a, basically a giant slumber party, and then by the end of it, they had an entire screenplay. Like, there you go. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny for what it is. All right, well, before we move on to the next movie, one of you bitches want to pass the fucking crack? <laughs> the best the best thing about that line is the outtakes in the bloopers the the grandmother or the mom character whoever it was of his of his like new girlfriend at the time i think her the actress's name is megan good but the actress who plays megan good's mother or grandmother she flubs that line and she's just like now who do you think you are coming in here calling us and she like breaks character and she looks around the set and she goes, I'm, I'm sorry. What kind of bitches are we again? You can hear. No, no, it gets better. It gets better. You can hear after she asked that question, you could hear the director behind the camera call out, Oh, pipe hitting. And she goes, Oh, of course, pipe hitting bitches. And then everyone just goes cracking up laughing. <laughs> That's great. It is, it is so wholesome. It is so wholesome that this elderly woman on the set of a Will Ferrell movie was trying to get into character, be like, "Who do you think? I'm, hey, well, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. McKay. Well, what kind of bitches are we again?" <laughs> it's, it's so it's so adorable. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our next movie. This is the end. This is probably the funniest fucking movie of the year. Um, such a great buddy comedy and just this, like the perfect cast of buddies in a buddy comedy. Um, yes. And it's just, <laughs> it's basically, I, it was basically the Avengers of comedies. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love how all of the, all of the actors in the movie, like not just the core group, but like all of the actors just were playing caricatures and exaggerated versions of themselves um throughout the whole movie it, it's just a really funny fucking movie um from beginning to end like my favorite line is uh when you know when the apocalypse starts and they're trying to figure out what's going on and one of them pulls out like a book and has like a picture of like a, a demon on it whatever it's, and fucking one of them's just like i know him that's that motherfucker from where the wild things are <laughs> <laughs> fucking it, it it's a movie that kills me every time um so you know it's just another one of those movies that you, not much to say other than if you haven't seen it you need to fucking see it because it's fucking hilarious um so blake go ahead yeah i mean this movie will give you a serious case of the gigs um it yeah. is basically the world's worst sleepover um but i just i mean we could almost have an entire episode of us just quoting the whole movie back and forth but I will say though, the first like, the first half or even the first 
two thirds are a lot stronger than the final third, like the mm -hmm. setup and like, you know, them getting used to the apocalypse. And when they were all still a unified team, that was better than I guess the last act when it all goes to shit and fucking Danny McBride becomes a cannibal with uh, Channing Tatum as his man pet. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and we can say like an all timer, a cl instant classic the greatest scene in this movie is the argument over the pornographic magazine between Danny McBride and James Franco being mm -hmm. like, who still wear, who still uses porno mags? You welcome to the 21st century, Buck Rogers. You designed a house with iPads on the walls and here you're jerking your dick like a damn pilgrim. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just so, it's just so great. And then you have the exorcism of Jonah Hill where it's just like, I'm going to titty fuck you, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> just just as trevor would say about you know an episode of uh, i think you should leave the jokes were just one banger after another um mm -hmm. but yeah i mean when jonah hill sits yeah. in front of the cameras um so something not so chill happened last night <laughs> i i love the you know i guess the behind the scenes making of trivia of you know when the cast and crew were interviewed on set. Each actor character had a different opinion on who was more like themselves in real life. Like Jonah Hill thought Danny McBride was the closest to himself. Seth Rogen thought, you know, Jay, however the hell you pronounce his last name was the most like his real self. Like that was kind of funny to hear. Um, but yeah, no, I, I pass it to you, Trevor. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was one of the funniest movies of, of 2013, but uh, what always really interests me about this movie is I, I find a lot of the side characters and moments a lot funnier than the main things. <laughs> um, if you want me to titty fuck you, I will! <laughs> one, uh, one that really gets me in the first half is, um, you know, Donnie, you were saying, like, it, how even a lot of the side people are playing exaggerated versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Siegel, for whatever reason, fucking kills me. He, what are you he's, talking about? He ate the whole cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just like so done with the the How I Met Your Mother fame. Oh, so it's like they're like, "Where's the cake?" And I go, "I don't know." It's fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> And but Kevin um, Hart's reaction to it, he goes, because you ate the cake, that's why y'all number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, it uh, it, it's 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 a great time. Uh, Channing Tatum, I, I, I like his like two lines. I love him. <laughs> hey guys. Um, one, one, one really dumb moment I love is where, uh, they're, they're going through James Franco's basement and one of them shines the light on the new goblin fucking cardboard cutout and freaks yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Blake, you failed, you failed to mention, you failed to mention one the of the best scenes in the whole ever. thing. You failed to mention, um, the pineapple express sequel with the greatest impression ever you could show me that single frame of jonah hill grinning with a cowboy hat and it says woody harrelson underneath <laughs> it and i would fucking die for days 
just that frame of him smiling with a cowboy hat and it says Woody Harrelson. He told he told a speech so good all legal all weed became legal immediately. That's that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> yep. I need to assassinate Woody Harrelson because he's gonna give a speech so good all weed will be legal. <laughs> I, I have to do what's right. It's the people's weed. Weed is for the people. And then, and then one of them, after they're going through all the sequels to their movies, one of them just goes at the end of the scene, "Let's not do your highness." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, like there's a lot of funny, like subtle side bits in this that I absolutely love. But it's it's a great time all around. But you guys are right; it's a lot stronger in the first half than the second. Yeah. Um, once they really leave the house, is where it kind of loses its stain power i guess i guess you could say mm-hmm. um, um it, it's hard to decipher what moments and what you know i guess which dialogue is based on something very real because i, I wanted to laugh but at the same time when seth rogan's like when i was younger <laughs> I, I i had man titties the bullies they held me down they titty fucked me and i'm like <laughs> i like i wanted to laugh but also i'm like seth rogan did that really happen to you <laughs> Who hurt you? Um, but yeah, no, it's just yeah, the pineapple Woody Harrelson. It's just Danny McBride's line of Woody Harrelson, that inbred hillbilly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, just well, Hermione stole all our shit. (laughs) I just oh man. All Um, right. Well, let's talk about the last movie we got for the evening, G.I. Joe Retaliation. I legit remember nothing about this movie. I remember watching a screen for two hours and seeing a dude that had snake face, and then that was it. Snake face? I I literally remember nothing about this movie. That's my favorite G.I. Joe villain. (laughs) Snake face. Yeah, I I just remember nothing about this movie. I'm just... I I don't care about G.I. Joe at all. I didn't care about G.I. Joe as a kid. Um, I feel like as a kid, I always felt like people who liked G.I. Joe were probably kids who who had dads with alcoholism. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. I just... I just don't remember anything about this fucking movie at all. Um, I remember remember a couple years ago when there was talk of like doing a G.I. Joe Transformers crossover. Yeah, that's something we need to fucking see. <laughs> but I'm just going to go ahead and... Bro, they're like 20 times their size. Yeah. We're gonna let you go ahead and get into it, Trevor. Um, so I I've only seen this movie like the once. Um, I think I've only seen the original GI Joe once. But uh, between the two, even though neither are the strongest action movies, um, the the first had a lot more. It, it stuck with me a lot more. What I remember about the sequel is them killing off all the iconic characters in the first 20 minutes, or at least the ones that would come back from the first movie. And it becoming a uh, Bruce Willis and whoever else action vehicle. What um, a great time. What a great time. You're really using that G.I. Joe uh, name brand to its full potential when you kill off all of the iconic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it didn't really continue 
with the direction the previous film was going in outside of that. And it just, you, you could have took all reference to GI Joe out of it and it would have been the same movie. So I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about it. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Go ahead, Blake. Well, um, I mean, I, I think it was like an entertaining enough action flick. Um, yeah, I think it's lame how they kill off so many people in the previous movie. I remember specifically they nailed the the look, the presentation, and aesthetic of Cobra Commander in this one, but then he's barely in it. So, like, they nail his look, his costume, his outfit, and then he's barely there. Um, and then other than, like, The Rock, there's, like, nobody to root for in it because, like, it's mainly just The Rock carrying most of the movie on his shoulders and you have the woman who almost played Wonder Woman in that TV pilot, and then DJ Contra or whatever, who was one of the adults in Shazam. Um, Bruce Willis was in it. I'm not crazy, right? No, he he was in it, but like he just he's basically like an extended cameo in the last act. Um, right, right. But yeah, no, they nailed Cobra Commander, and then he's barely there. Like whatever. Um, but yeah, the first one, the first one's more corny. And I guess has like cheesier CGI moments, but the first one still has more heart and soul to it. Like it actually just has more of a charming personality than this one. Um, mm. So yeah, I guess that's, that's a book closed on that. All right. Well then let's move on to TV of 2013. We'll start off with TV shows that started in 2013. I'm just going to run through the list here. There's only three of them. Um, first we got Nathan for you started in 2013 um, Nathan for you, when I first saw it, I didn't, it didn't quite click with me, but after I like, you know, gave it a, a kind of a second chance and got a few more episodes in, I really just came to respect and appreciate this dude's like brand of humor and just how he would like, just how deep he could dig himself into this rabbit hole in each episode. It was in like the episode where he starts the, uh, the, the, uh, fitness business or whatever, that one's probably the the one that sticks out in my mind the most where he has the dude like he writes like a fake autobiography for the dude and even gets him to like promote it on the news and everything claims he knew Steve that, Jobs and shit like that is a real book that you can buy in a store and I know because I have it yeah like in somewhere in the book they said he says yeah you know I knew Steve Jobs you know back in the day and you know we we did a lot of work where we helped jungle children uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like there's just, there's one chap there's one chapter in that book that the chapter title was just baboons. <laughs> yeah, like the just the this dude's like commitment to the bit is just respect, my man. Um also in twenty thirteen, Teen Titans Go started and I just remember the second it started, it was immediately hated by everybody in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't the original Teen Titans show. And this is like the first case I remember of like people getting very volatilely upset over a fucking cartoon. Yeah. Um, like, you know, comparing this to the original Teen Titans cartoon, is the original Teen Titans cartoon objectively better? Yeah. But that's because it tries to be. It it it, you know, tries to be a more nuanced and, you know, intelligent show, whereas this just tries to be a goofy show for children. And in that regard, it, it succeeds. It's like, 
you know, I get why people our age don't like it, but it's not made for us. It's a fucking cartoon. Move on with your life. Um, yeah. And then another show that started in 2013 is Rick and Morty. Um, I don't care for Rick and Morty at all. I've seen, you know, a handful of episodes and it's just never clicked with me. And I kind of like the fan base of this show. You want to talk about some toxic fan bases. I'm glad that the fan base, the toxic aspect of the Rick and Morty fan base has like kind of died down and almost become non-existent in recent years. But for a while there, it like, it really made everything related to this show fucking unbearable. Um, And I just kind of got like tired of feeling like if you didn't like this show, you were on some sort of lower intellectual plane than people who were fans of this show. Um, But removing that, I don't think it's an awful show. It's just not really my, it's just not my jam. Um, I just never really got into it that much. So I'm going to go ahead and bounce it to you, Trevor. Um, so, so what, we're just rolling through all three at once. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I, uh, I'm probably the, the biggest Nathan for you fan out of the three of us. Um, it's, it's an ingenious show and, for probably the first couple years it was on, I, I, I didn't really follow it. I wasn't kind of aware of it, but yeah, I think it was around 2015. I kind of picked up on it and oh my God, is it a masterful show? And uh, I, I, I can't think of a single bad episode. Um, and his sort of like dry played up version of himself that he uses in each is like, is it, it's wonderful. Um, it 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 never fails to make me laugh, no matter how many episode, how many times I've seen a given episode. And the finale special they did, it deserved an Emmy. Like I, Finding Francis, it's called, is, is amazing. I I love that special. Um, but no, it's it's it, it's a great show, and I'm sad that it doesn't sound like they're making more. Um, it did come out just a couple days ago that he's working on an HBO Max show that sounds like a spiritual sequel. So I, I'm, I am happy to hear about that. Um, similar concept and all. Um, Teen Titans Go. Yeah, I mean, Donnie, I kind of am under the same opinions as you. Uh, I've, I've never watched an episode or two at most of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of toxic people about it back then, and there still are today because it's still going. But in in a way, I understand where they are coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, the show's goofy and everything, but I think a lot of people's problem with it is that it, it puts out this message that, like, kids can't handle serialized, more serious cartoons that have funny moments yeah because that's what the original teen titans was you know make a brand new show i don't care but when it's just like one shot goofy premises with these established characters it is kind of like a a a slap in the face like you could have used the premises on that new show with any group of characters why why did you use like this iconic group from a show from just a several years prior mm-hmm. I, I guess is my uh 
my thought there. But like I said, I, 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 well, I actually did take my brother to see the Teen Titans Go movie when it came out, and it was enjoyable. Um, just you can't go into it expecting the previous show or the characters you saw in that show. Yeah. Um, I think they recently did a crossover with the original Teen Titans. Um, but I, I never saw that or know what the deal with that is. Um, and then uh, when it comes to Rick and Morty, um, as a whole, I think it's kind of hit or miss. And in a lot of ways, I think the show has become a little pretentious in more recent seasons, like especially four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good episodes in there with some really solid writing. Um, Dan Harmon is great at what he does. He's become great through community and everything he worked on before it. Um, but there are just times in that with that show that I just feel like they're they're kind of stepping on their fans. Like in in more recent seasons, when the first two seasons were kind of built on a set continuity, they were like, it wasn't just they said, "Nah, we don't feel like doing that, that anymore." They kind of made it a big fuck you to people who liked that aspect of the show. It wasn't just like, yeah, we, we don't want to stick to a continuity anymore. It was like, yeah, we're going to fucking put the people on blast that liked the continuity. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of the flack the show gets comes from its fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I still watch it week to week. There's a new season on right now. and for the most part, I either love an episode or hate it. Um, but yeah, these these last couple seasons have been definitely more hit or hit or miss than uh, the previous ones. It's it's definitely the biggest thing Adult Swim has ever had, and yeah, it's pretty consistent in quality. Um, mm-hmm. But it's 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 kind of rough that you only get a season every two, three years. I mean, that that's surreal to think about the season only they're, they're, they're going through the fifth season right now. And it's been on the air since 2013. Yeah. That's, I don't know, but especially for a show that like is not drawn that detailed. <laughs> right. Right. Like you would, you would think it's like fucking Akira or whatever. Like, I like, mean, it's, it's, it has its moments. But yeah. yeah, I mean the the basic style isn't isn't that hard to accomplish. No. But no, I, I, I like it. I like that Adult Swim has kind of broken the mainstream like adult animation with 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 it. But um Yeah. Yeah, that's last two seasons kinda inconsistent. Well go ahead, Blake. Um, hold on, there was somebody yelling outside my house. <laughs> oh. It's Crenshaw Pete. Last online, 300 days ago. <laughs> oh man, I miss him. You're on Steam, your buddy messaged you, BRB Pizza's here. <laughs> Last online, seven yeah. years ago. Okay, I, I want to get this straight. I, I, I just said that there may have been a scene happening outside my house and y'all just continued making jokes, right? Am I? Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I like Donnie's, yeah, better. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, Nathan, for you, um, it is one of the shows Trevor showed me where I was like, okay, I can get behind this. Um, I, I just love how every episode is basically him getting in too deep. Yeah, <laughs> and trying and, to figure out how to get out. Yeah, yeah, and like just when you think like it's like okay, man, you got to dig yourself out of this. He instead makes his hole even deeper. Um, but yeah, and I, a, a lot of the time by the end, like the the original person he's helping is like not even involved anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's I think it's a funny show. I howled like a wild chimp when when it was the scene with the private eye investigator and he like is like okay you want to go get some drinks yeah sure get in and it's a stunt double of himself but it's an asian guy and <laughs> like i cried laughing at that just like who are you? I'm Nathan. He's like, no, you're not. It is like, he's just like, and he's saying it like his accent. I just talked to you two seconds ago. It's just, I don't know. Y'all aren't laughing, but it's hilarious. <laughs> Why aren't you no, all it's, laughing? It's, it's great. Um, but yeah. And then um, Teen Titans Go. It's like, I, I understand what you're saying, Trevor. I think that's a fair critique. Like, it's kind of you being like, okay, give the generation you're aiming it towards a little more credit. But I want to remind you, the other people complaining about it were not as intelligent and well spoken as what you said there. Um, That's fair. That's it fair. was. It was a bunch of people just bitching about it, being like, "This new version of thing I grew up liking isn't the exact same as thing I had at the time." And it's just like, okay. And they're like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And it's like, dude, like you're almost thirty. Like, what? Whatever. Get yeah. over it. Um, but no, like I understand Trevor's critique of of it. Um, and then Rick and Morty, it just never did it for me. Like, I mean, I, I just I, I don't I don't care for the aesthetic or illustration of it. Um and you know, um the jokes didn't really hit me that well. More than anything, yeah. I mean, like I second what Donnie said, where like it does have a lot of toxic members in, in their fan base. I wish they were more like Trevor. How just Trevor's just simply enjoys it and isn't uh -huh. isn't an asshole. Um, and uh, but yeah, no. More than anything, what really annoyed me was like it was just this random show Trevor showed me at his at his house one night. He showed me a couple episodes, and and nothing against Trevor's taste or like Trevor, you know, wanting to show me something. But I was like, okay, whatever. I'll I'll never see that show again. I'll never hear of it again. And then randomly, I woke up one day. And it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like that was kind of very jarring for me. It was almost like I almost got whiplash from it, being like how it was just this little random obscure show Trevor showed me in his room one night. And then it was everywhere. I was just like, whoa, like slow down world. Um, but yeah, it just never did it for me. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, we'll close out the show tonight. Talk about music of 2013. Uh, just got three songs here. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Uh, Get Lucky by Daft Punk. What a fucking bop. Like, the second you hear it, it's stuck in your head for a week. Um, hmm. And then you got Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, which is, you know, this was her peak dumpster fire years um, where everybody started to be like, um, is somebody checking in on Miley Cyrus? <laughs> like, something, something's wrong. Is she okay? Is, is, has anyone called her? Yeah. 
Um, and then last song I got listed here is Scream and Shout by uh, William and Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> you mean Will I Am? <laughs> I, did, I, I knew that. I knew that would tickle you. <laughs> I just want to make it clear you guys know I did that on purpose, right? Uh-huh. Oh my god, he's a robot. <laughs> RG3? Oh my god, they got a robot on their team. <laughs> William. I, I knew that would fucking tickle you guys. Good, good, good save. It, it took me a no, second I'm, was the worst part. Here's... Here's the only thing I really remember about that song, or the thing I was asking myself the entire time during that song was like, why is Britney Spears talking in a British accent? I, I second that. Yeah, that was my only takeaway from it. Like, well, I didn't even realize it was her at first. Like, a month later, we were yeah. talking to Moon, and Moon was like, yeah, Britney Spears. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He yeah. goes, that's Britney Spears. I'm like, when does she come in? And, and Moon played it. He goes, that's her right there. And I go, why <laughs> even though even though the lyrics are you're now rocking with will i am and britney bitch yeah still didn't know it was britney spears well, did, what she was doing a british accent oh my god if i ever interview him do i have to call him will are you <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking dumb <laughs> you're dumb i know Oh, okay. Go ahead and talk about the music, Trevor. Talk about the music. What was the first song again? <laughs> Get Lucky by Daft Punk. That, it was indeed a bop. It is crazy to think that last album was that many years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that album as a whole. And yeah, Get Lucky is definitely the song that still gets played a bunch today. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to say other than it's a groove. It got me interested in Daft Punk again after I kind of lost interest in them after what Tron Legacy. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was the last music release from them before. Um, yeah. yeah, but it, it's, it's definitely a song that's easy to uh, groove to, and I'm, I'm sad to see them broken up today. Yeah, I miss them, but yeah, I miss them. I miss them. They they taught me they taught me it was okay to be two French robots. <laughs> That's good. That's a lesson we all got to learn in our own way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for Wrecking Ball, yeah, uh, uh, that's that's when Miley Cyrus Miley Cyrus was a real uh, <laughs> real <laughs> mess. <laughs> My Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> don't make fun of me. All right, Sylvester Stallone. Um, yeah, I mean that you, you kind of heard that song everywhere for a bit. It was okay, I guess. Yeah, it definitely. Wasn't, it, uh, it wasn't even a good song. It didn't even like sound good aesthetically uh, speaking. Like, I, I feel like I, I feel like I was told it was good. Yeah. More than I actually came to that assumption myself. Yeah. Um, as for the third song, I'm kind of drawing a blank on that one. Um, I, I haven't listened to a whole lot of William in recent years. It is kind of like a generic song for, for the genre. Yeah, I, I'm totally drawing a blank on that one, so I apologize. I uh, I personally prefer the parody of it that uh 
has the lyrics telling the story of Les Miserables. Can you sing a bit of it for us? No. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Blake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Get Lucky, A Bop, I Miss Him, um, Wrecking Ball, eh, whatever. I mean, obviously, it wasn't for me, but um, I just remember she performed that at the uh, the MTV Awards, mm-hmm. and people were like, people were clenching their pearls been like, Oh, she acted so inappropriately. And I'm like, it's the MTV music awards. Like since when was that all classy? Right. Um, And then finally, um, what was, what was the third song? Scream and shout. Scream and shout. Yeah. I mean, I basically already said what there was to say about that one. Like (laughs) why is Britney Spears talking with a British accent? Um, Yeah. No, I mean, these songs were like, ripe to be parodied on youtube yeah um and i mean i i feel like i feel like the first half of the 2010s was like for better and for worse the golden age but not in a great way for um music parodies on youtube mm-hmm. um and yeah no every every random dude with a macbook thought they could be weird al um <laughs> so yeah that's what i gotta say all right well then on that note we'll close the show out um Good show tonight, guys. Uh, so I want to thank you for being on the show again, Trevor. Um, thank, thank you for having me. And thank you, everybody at home who listened. If you tuned in late, missed this episode, we'll be on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, um, Hulu, and everything tomorrow. Um, and then you can follow the Fat Minute on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Fat Minute Radio. Follow BVJ on all that same stuff at Puka Saucy. And you can follow Trevor on Twitter at Bumbus Columbus. Um, on that note, thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. Wow. Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of the United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org.